results of Nico. We gotta call my team back at Old Knot Hole. It's Sonic and the Freedom Fighters. Sally the princess, one of a kind. Bunny always there to get you out of a bind. Rona the genius looking through the archives. It sails flying fast, got dreams sky high. Antoine's a jerk. It's Sonic and the Freedom Fighters. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Archie Sonic Digest. And this week, we've got a... Oh, my God. We have so much good stuff to talk about. You have no idea. If you thought the last episode was good, this is going to blow it out of the water. I'm I'm not trying to, like, hype anything up here. Like, I am legitimately real. This is real. I am legitimately serious about what I'm saying here because I came out of this session when I was taking notes of this comic, and I came out with so much just to think about and talk about. This episode might be a lot longer than a normal one is, but it's going to be worth it. Stick around. We have so much to talk about. Oh my god. So, of course, I am your host, Speed. My co-host, Aaron, is also here, and we are are just at the stake. We're ready. Are we ready? Do you want to just go for it? Do you want to just go in? I All I gotta say... Strap the fuck in. Uh, we got we got some Kino to read. We got some real Kino. All right, Sonic 193. Flynn and Yardley, the creative team. We open right off the heels of the last episode. Sonic and Amy are prepping to go out to Moabius. Sonic is just like, oh, I thought this was a solo mission. What are you doing, Sally? Oh well, you know, I just thought you could use some backup. You're headed, you're headed straight first into a world we know nothing about, and. Besides, Amy's dying to spend some time with you anyway. So, uh, hey, it all works out. <laughs> I, I, I will say, I often always kind of, I don't want to say regret and, and feel a little bitter about, but a lot of the time, the portrayal of Amy in a lot of Sonic media is that she plays really hard second fiddle to Sonic. And that means that she is either off doing her own thing or not journeying with Sonic. But... Something that Archie really tries to do, especially with, like, you know, stuff like 176 and 175 and this comic moving forward, is that they really try to include Amy as, like, a core part of the Freedom Fighters and being a central character. And I really appreciate that. Amy is such, like, a... For being such a focal character in the game, she doesn't really have that much of a spotlight. And even when she does, I mean... This has changed a little bit now, but in games like Sonic Heroes especially, it's always just her chasing after Sonic, so to speak. And this is still the case in the comics, but we're we're getting more character out of her here. Exactly. The core identity of Amy's character is still, you know, love struck, uh, love struck young girl. And it will always be that, right? With the obsession. But the best part about her is that they take that and then they also forge it into her wanting to be her own person alongside him, right? Because even, because in her mind, it's like, okay, well, how do I get Sonic to respect me? I know. I just have to become so strong and so independent that he'll want me eventually. Which is like, yeah, that's how it should be. That's, that's, that's a, it's a, it's a natural progression of the character's arc, you know? Yeah. Onto the show. So... The star posts, they're ready to go, but Rotor tells them, we have no idea what's going to drop you, so, like, be careful here. And they rush in, head first, and they come to find themselves in a hallway. It's real peaceful looking, real nice, but they get rushed in by a robot, looking a lot like Omega, a character we have not seen yet, yet. Yet. This uh, Omega is like a teal coloration. There's a peace sign on the shoulder pads. It's real, it's real something. Sonic and Amy fight this robot, but they hear a voice coming from inside. 
Amy figures that with a robot, anti-robotnik must be nearby. But the robot holds Amy down with riot foam holding her in still in place and stops Sonic with a sonic wave, making him dizzy. All the while, anti-robotnik rushes out, screaming at buns to stop. They're not enemies. So we're being introduced, number one, to anti-robotnik, who looks lean and slim compared to his prime design. And it's a great design. Like, let's say it. It's fantastic. It, it, I mean, it's very much emblematic of the fact that, um, you know, he did not become the Eggman. Right, right. right. In, in, in this, I mean, obviously it was expanded upon um, when the Anti-Zone and the Anti-Mobians were introduced that Robotnik was just a peaceful scientist and it remained that way. So as a result, you know, the he never was fat. He was never big. It was just... He's just a dude and he still has his classic design, but again... He's, you know, I guess he's been having a nice diet, you know? <laughs> he just had the right diet he's a, this time. He's a, he's a vegan. You know, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> you know? it's Anthony Fantano with a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I give the Sonic Unleashed soundtrack an eight. Wait, excuse what, me. Well, what, what does he think of Donda? That's more important. No, uh, he said it was a, he said it was a seven out of 10. And then uh, he said that uh, Donda Deluxe kind of fucking ruined it with the song order, which I actually agree with the statement. Uh, Donda Deluxe is, they fucked the song order so bad, uh, but the extra tracks are really good. Uh, Life of the Party with Andre 3000. Beautiful. Great track. I'm not a huge hip hop head. I just really like Kanye. Anyhow. Anyway, so in the robot, this buns breaks Amy out and anti-robotnik helps Sonic up. And he catches him up on, you know, Scourge has been uh, trying to invade Mobius Prime. Is there anything that you can do to help us out? And Anti-Robotnik wants to know more, and they take the talk outside. Such a lovely day and all. Meanwhile, back in the Prime Zone, Sally is pacing near the Starpost with Rotor and Tails. You know, we're lucky that the portals managed to stay open as long as it did, you know, considering that these were only supposed to be used to teleport into the Special Zone, you know? But Nicole materializes to warn, Miles is outside the city, alone. So Sally calls for Bunny, Antoine, and Tails to follow behind. Rotor is at peace with the fact that he's not on field duty. You know, Sonic and Amy need to find a way home after all. The Freedom Fighters stand outside ready to fight, but Miles is a little nonplussed to the supposed threat and says his intentions. He was given a mission to bomb their city, but seeing as how open he made himself, I have no intention of completing this mission. Really, I came here to propose an alliance between the Suppression Squad and the Freedom Fighters against Scourge. Because I see Sonic as a trump card here. And truth be told, the Suppression Squad are no more fond of Scourge than you guys are. Interesting twist, um, but expected. Kind of what we saw coming. Yep. Now, meanwhile, the Grand Forest in Moebius... Sonic and Amy are having a nice picnic with Anti-Robotnik, who introduces himself as Dr. Ivo Kintobor, the head of the medical facility we just came out of, and the protector of the Grand Forest. The tower, which is a beacon, has which is protecting the forest from Scourge, keeping safe all the Moabians who ran from his takeover. And he admits, though, a while ago the suppression squad stormed my tower to steal the globe post. He was intending to use these things to zone hop to find a cure for Bun's Rabot, leading Sonic to ask where she was, didn't see Anti-Bunny with the Suppression Squad. To which, a voice coming out of the Omega Robot says, I'm right here. 
the head opens up, revealing Bun's Rabot, anti-bunny. Her deal is, she started developing nids at the base of her spine, and because of that, Scourge left her for dead. Then afterwards, Kentobor took her in and built her the Omega Care Unit. Omega being noted as because it is the, what is it exactly he says, the last resort, I believe he says, to stop the disease from developing and continuing to support her immune system. But because of the way this is set up, she's stuck in the robot. And Kintobor says he will not rest until he, she is able to walk freely. So I want to I want to talk about a couple things here. One other note is that um, uh, Robotnik is not pleased about uh, having to arm the Omega unit, but uh, she wields uh, only non-lethal weapons, which is the uh, hypersonic beam and the uh, the riot, the riot foam. can. Yeah, the riot foam. Right, completely reasonable considering that he's mostly a pa- he's, he's a pacifist. Right. I like this idea because it's taking the idea of Bunny becoming part machine and then flipping it. She's human, but the body that she's inhabiting in order to survive is now wholly robotic. Here's actually another layer to this cake, right? Just like I said, anti-Bunny developed nids. So extrapolate on this. It's very well possible that if Bunny was never, like, partially roboticized, she probably could have developed nids as well, leaving her to be fatal. And she, it specifically says it was specifically at the base of her spine, which is where, like, the roboticization was cut off from Bunny. Oh! Her being oh, roboticized was, a spe- was basically a blessing in disguise. Wow! <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Wow, Jesus Christ. I, I had my mind blown a little there. That's that's really impressive that um this foresight came into play. Uh wow. <laughs> yeah, just a little thing to think about. And uh Sonic asked, Do you have more of these, you know, Omega units to deal and help fight against Scourge? But Kintobor says, No. Uh I do not want to make a robot army. I refuse to do that. So another layer to the cake of like anti robotnik. Robotnik obviously would have jumped the gun to make uh, an army of robots to deal with Sonic and the boys. But now here, even though Kintobor is seen as like the protector of the Great Forest, all he's doing is just like keeping everything at bay and keeping everyone within safe. He doesn't want to actively pursue the, the suppression squad, basically. Well, of course, because he feels like the insane methods that they've employed are are so egregious that any form of retaliation would potentially lead to the destruction of his of his entire like sanctuary essentially which obviously pacifism it's it's a difficult subject to discuss but in this case um robotnik wants to feel like he's in the right which is ironic because it's very similar to how eggman thinks Mm. because eggman always wants to be in the right so robotnik having that 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 feeling of like i need to be right here it's the similar sort of concept maybe just in a different yeah, again, like, it's the antiverse showing all of their, like, worst characteristics shown up front. But in the case of Kentobor, he's just, like, this, it, him being right, wanting to be right all the time and being justified in his ideology is, like, the most holistic thing you could say about Eggman. But once seen in Kentobor, that kind of becomes, like, arguably a detriment. Right, exactly. Which is... Again, it's it's the it's the interesting thing of the of the reality swap. Bunny, I think, is also pretty cool. The fact that um, Bun's Rabot is uh, like she's not 
I don't think she's not evil. Well, she's evil, but the fact that she's openly supporting Kintobor, right? The because of the the deal they struck and and the fact that uh, he saved her life, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of fun things to think about. So, with the so with that deal out, Buns suggests. Well, you know, they could try to recruit you know who doctor. To which Kintobor immediately shuts it down. She is too dangerous to deal with. But Amy pleads, we need whatever kind of help we can get. Please, like, at least tell us. And reluctantly, he tells them. This person, Rosie the Rascal, anti-Amy, she hates Scourge. We will have a lot to talk about with this character. But we are going to, for the time, move forward. Meanwhile, on Mobius Prime, Miles tells the Freedom Fighters the situation. Throughout as much as they can remember, the leadership of the Suppression Squad was always in flux. It's kind of just how we did things. But Scourge came back and ruined everything, forcing them to take on new attributes just to make them more than just your evil twins. And forced Scourge, or they were forced by Scourge to help conquer Moabius. In fact, in this scene, where you see like... Kind of like clips of a Scourge taking over Moabius, including at the very bottom, uh, anti-Knuckles being crushed by his uh, Scourge's heel. Interesting. I don't think they expand upon this again. But No, it's just like a, a scene. It's just like a little thing, but it's something I wanted to shout out because, hey, anti-Knuckles really makes you think, doesn't it? So the Suppression Squad were ordered to steal Kentobor's glow post to invade Mobius Prime. And honestly, we don't try to rebel against him. The way that he is right now, he is legitimately too powerful. He might actually kill us. Miles even says that they've rigged the star post in the lab to send Scourge back to Moabius. And when Nicole confirms this, Sally agrees to help Miles. And he tells her the plan. Now, back in Moabius, Kintobor packs Sonic and Amy a backpack for the trip. And with Buns in the Omega suit, they run off being told that Rosie is in Castle Acorn, and Sonic basically remembers the way as it's ba- it's analogous to the run from Knothole to Robotropolis. Very nice callback. I, I would like to um, also point out a, uh, a very, very, very cute moment by uh, Mr. Kintobor, uh, kind of like a, like a scared parent sending his kids off to school, you know, uh, asking them all questions. Are you all right? You know, is your pack chafing? You know, hopefully everything's going to work out. Like, I want to make sure you're okay and all this stuff. It's You guys it's, want it's extra very... sandwiches? You guys want extra sandwiches? <laughs> He's very, 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 very cute about it. And uh, it's, it's a nice little character trait. I'm a big fan of it. The three arrive to, uh, to Castle Acorn, run down and trashed. Sonic sees it as depressing, but Buns sees it as a symbol of freedom to do whatever they want. But realize that they're being stalked inside. They hear a voice singing, and Buns tracked it down to the throne room, and they make their way inside, barging in to find Rosie, who looks like an older version of Amy's classic design, and surprised to see Sonic and not her, uh, <clears throat> Scourgy. Oh boy, oh boy. I'll, right from I'll... the get-go, we understand that this character is, uh, fucked in the head, let's put it. So, Amy asks, uh, that's kind of why we're here. We were hoping you'd help, and Rosie begins to monologue. Basically explaining that he, Scourge, he ignored all the attacks that Rosie gave to him 
when she was little. Mm. And in her infinite wisdom, used the magic in a certain special ring to make herself older. Now she's a big girl with a big hammer, and still Scourge runs away. Amy obviously comments that this is very similar to what she did, only she makes it sound way creepier. Sonic replying with, yeah, and I'm willing to bet with this zone in mind, it probably gave some kind of uh, side effect. Oh, and it does. Uh, Rosie gets real fucking weird real fucking quick. And uh, the art in particular, lovely here, displaying that she has basically gone fucking insane. So, I love Rosie. And you want to know why? Because it takes the innocent concept of Amy growing up and then twists it into the worst possible outcome. Now, Amy the, Amy the Hedgehog isn't just Amy the Hedgehog. She isn't obsessed with Sonic. No, 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 no. She wants to fucking murder everything in sight because it's the only way she could be with him forever. It's, how can I put this? Uh, Allah, forgive me for using the anime terms, but, uh... It's sort of like you can see Amy as, like, a Dere Dere character, and Rosie as a Yandere. There we go. I uh, I can't believe you use those terms. Uh, I'm going to slap you when I see you in person. I said but Allah forgive me, okay? Allah, Allah forgive me. I'm, I'm calling in the fatwa right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, memes aside, memes aside, jokes aside. I think that this is an excellent way uh, to expand the anti-character roster and more importantly, provide a really sinister and fucked up twist on it. Because now we're not just seeing like the characters we already knew. Now we're going one step further where we get to see specific events play out in such a different way. And I love that. I love that Rosie is insane, beyond insane. She, her brains are fucking and, and to quote her directly, shatter, shatter. Her brains are shatter, shattered. It's wonderful. I, I love this. I think it's so cool. Yeah, she's such an unnerving character. And you know what? The dialogue sells it. The art sells it. Everything about this just fits so well into place. Oh, and also the fact that she is using the old Amy design. The fact that it is the old Amy design instead of the new Amy design because it represents the fact that her mind is still that of a child, but she has an older body now, mm -hmm. right? And also, one last thing to point out. So, just like Amy did after using their Ring of Acorns, she now has the ability to generate a Pico Pico hammer. But, um, the the it's a little bit more literal because there are spikes at the end, and it's a lot bigger and also green, and it, it, it destroys, smashy destroy. Yeah. So, yeah. that's the end of that story. We do have a story B here, which is a non-canon adaptation of... Hey, look at that. Sonic Unleashed. Patreon.com slash SonicSpeed. We talked about that in the pre-show. $5 a month. Yeah, uh, we, we talked about it in the pre-show. Um, I, I will I will tack this on. Uh, if you own an Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, uh, Xbox One X, and I believe Xbox One VCR, which is the original model, uh, you can play Sonic Unleashed at 60 frames per second right now. Right now, you so... Do, you, should, you should go fucking do that. Yeah. So, it, it was done by Flynn and Yardley, the creative team, and this is just, like, basically, like, the last bit of the opening cutscene, essentially, of Sonic Unleashed. Uh, uh, Super Sonic encounters Eggman in the satellite. He's drained of his Chaos powers and the uh, Chaos Emerald's powers as well, turning him into the monster, the Werehog. And Eggman's just like, what? What the fuck? Are, what? And throws him into the planet below with the shells of the Chaos Emeralds. 
Then he lands, starting to change back to normal with the sunrise. A lot of questions, no answers. Uh, and seven trained Chaos Emeralds later, got a lot to figure out here, boys. Uh, go get Sonic Unleashed on the Xbox Series X. How about that? Yeah, I will say this uh, This little mini adaptation has some very nice art. Uh, looks great, as always. Uh, so, yeah. Um, we kind of skimmed over this. Uh, and we really did not talk about Sonic Unleashed. Uh, there is a reason for that. And we promise that in time it will become very apparent. Oh, yeah. So, that's 193 done. We'll move on to Sonic 194, Flynn and Yardley once again, the creative team. And right off the heels of that last story, Rosie is smashing anyone that moves. Sonic is trying to reason with her that they want her to fight Scourge with us. Can Come on, you'll get what you want. And her her rationale perfect in my opinion she says well <laughs> my scourge is a sonic you're a sonic i want to smash sonics perfect perfect on brand excellent lovely wonderful we love it and amy calls out to her saying well i'm not a sonic and technically if anything we're more like sisters to which she responds is well you're breathing so good enough for me <laughs> Oh my fucking god, dude. Holy shit. In the background, Buns is realizing, oh, I'm supposed to be protecting you guys. Uh, shit. She gets into the fight as Sonic just wonders how the, the homies back home are doing. So in Freedom HQ, Scourge complains how long it's taken Miles to bomb the stupid city. The others just look at each other nonplussed as Fiona sees Miles running back with the Freedom Fighters behind him. And he dives in head first. Scourge is like, yo, what did you do to get them so pissed? Tell me about the damage. Come on. Did you take off Sonic? Come on. Come on. Tell me. Tell me. But he's not responding to him at all. And then Miles addresses Princess Alicia. The plan was a total success. And with that call, she tells Patch and Boomer, let's tell our king what we really think of him. We move back to to Moabius' castle, Acorn. Buns is able to hold Rosie still with the riot foam she used on Amy before, but uh, Rosie is able to break through it, and Amy comes in with her own hammer, and the two clash it like swords, telling Sonic and Buns, go find the glow post, I'll keep her busy. So Buns leads Sonic to the lab Miles and Boomer had set up before she was kicked out, and sure enough, the glow posts are there, up and running, possibly for supply lines. So Sonic goes in to check what's going on at the home, Buns covering him. So he walks into Freedom HQ. No problems here, but it seems like there's a fight going on outside the lab. Come to see the Suppression Squad and the Freedom Fighters fighting Scourge and Fiona. Scourge screaming, you fucking traitors. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a pretty crazy sight. A very funny panel in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, it's, it's cute. I took down a whole planet, and you think you can take me? You could have served the baddest king ever. Now you're gonna get served, per his words. So Sonic asks Nicole, what's, what's, what the fuck is going on back there? Well, the suppression squad has mutinied and want to drive Scourge back to Moabius. So as Sonic is about to get in, can she asked, uh, hey, can you keep the star post online? Yeah, I can definitely do that. It seems like there's some kind of boost coming from the other end, and so that should do it. So he figures, ah, the glow posts are online. Sweet. Sonic is about to rush in, but Fiona catches him before he exits the lab and fights him a bit. So Sonic asking, why why are you still on Scourge's side? You're not even from their homeworld. And she says that throughout her life, she's been burned. You, her parents, her partners, everyone she trusts get hurt. Hurt. 
So she's fighting now for her own sake. But again, Sonic asks, you're still risking yourself for Scourge. Why are you fighting so hard for him? Stressing that. You are fighting for him. And in a shock, a small tear from her eyes, Fiona just says, it's not like that. She takes another swing. But Sonic only says, keep telling yourself that. Very good little moment here. I like it a lot. I like the fact that uh, Sonic directly basically saying, uh, you, 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 you have no loyalty. You, you keep saying that, you know, it's, it's some excuse, but you just can't be loyal to somebody. Mm-mm. You keep fighting for other people, but not yourself. You're never going to be able to fix the problem. Nope. So with that scene passed, in Moabius, Amy is screaming for help with her hammer broken. Rosie coming in hot behind her. They see the globe post and Rosie's a little little entranced by the shine. So her natural instinct is to smash it, of course. (laughs) Buns tackles her and tells Amy, get Sonic back, I'll hold her down. Amy pokes her head in for Sonic. And with that call, he realized that he's just wasting time and rushes past to fight Scourge directly. Him surprised to see him, but Boomer blasts them both with Sonic waves. And now Sonic and Scourge are both out cold. Miles flies in, picking their bodies up and flings them back into the portal to Moebius. Boomer closing the post manually, saying Scourge will now be Sonic's problem. Now... Back in Moebius, the other side, the portal is now closed, and Amy helps Sonic get back up. Scourge is now seething. The suppression squad are going to be <laughs> dead after this. But local, local hedgehog mauls out of his fucking mind after being mutinied by his own crew. It'd be like that. It do, it do, it do. But when he hears Rosie's voice, Boy goes full panic mode. Seeing that Buns was not able to hold her back, the Omega Care Unit, the lower half of its body, is now completely crushed. And Rosie says she has been saving an extra special smash for Scourge. I want to point out that um, the expression on Scourge's face is incredibly, and when I say incredibly, I mean incredibly reminiscent. Of how Sonic looks when he's in, like, oh my fucking god, no, please, no. He literally even says, oh, please, no. Oh god. He knows he's he's so over it. He's so done. (laughs) (laughs) So, while that scene comes to a close, we move back to Mobius Prime. In the country of Mercea, the Never Lake. Oh, no, 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 get away from me, get away from me, Pender's character. For those that are not lore experts, just gonna say, Never Lake, that's the the lake that's over the little planet in Sonic CD, just, you know, gotta, gotta space it out. We have to give them the lore. So, we see a character we have not seen in a while, uh, one Robbo the Hedge, Amy's cousin, and the king of Mercea now. Bow and arrow, ready to fire at a light that's being over the Never Lake, says the little planet is not supposed to show up for another week. And his wife, Mary Ann, comes from behind to help deal with whatever this threat Rob is facing. Their kid's in bed, so you're not going to tell me to go nowhere. And from the light comes a voice asking if Rob is Sonic the Hedgehog. Nay, but I know him. Can you take me to him? I could, but who art thou? And we see a full art reveal 
of Silver the Hedgehog saying he must find Sonic as the future depends on it. Also would love to point out his text bubbles have a scion outline to him, kind of like his gloves are. It's a really cool touch. I really like it. All right. So now that he has made his appearance, oh boy, I think we should talk about uh, Mr. Silver for a bit. You mean the uh, the glow up that he got as a direct result of the comics? Yes, let's talk about that. Yeah, um, I think we'll keep this pretty short. Obviously, Silver is best known for his appearance in Sonic 06, where he was one of the original characters created for that game. Uh, originally, he was going to be a minx named Venice, uh, very on the nose, thank you, Sega, but um, was changed into a hedgehog to accommodate for, I guess, the theme of the game which was the three hedgehog campaigns, but let's let's bring the elephant in the room. They tried to do something interesting with Silver in 06. Yeah. And it, um... It doesn't work! <laughs> yeah, they don't do such a hot job, unfortunately. Uh, besides the obvious 50 million jokes we could make about uh, Ibwis Twigga, uh, uh, the very uh, bad voice acting from Pete Capella, uh, in that game in particular, he's not a bad voice actor, uh, he's also the voice actor of Jaden Yuki, which would uh, explain a lot. <laughs> but he, it's it's not a good game. And I, look, look, we're we're not here to talk about Sonic Six. We're here to talk about Silver. Silver's campaign is easily the worst part of the game too, which is another reason that people do not like this character. However, Sonic Six is not the only media that Silver has appeared in. Silver made the transition from Sonic Six into other Sonic works, and I am going to be completely honest here. Every other game that he's in is completely fine. Completely fine. It's just the the big it's just an association problem with it at the end of the day cuz Silver very uh, today Silver is one of the more beloved characters of the franchise partially because of the uh the fan response to the character even stemming from Sonic 06 as well but the comics especially really flesh out this character because look at it you have a character from uh, a quote-unquote ruined future coming back to try to fix things technically solving the problem and has to just keep coming back and forth but we never really see a lot about silver before that silver living in said future trying to figure things out and we get to see, do see scenarios like that in the comics and we will we'll, we'll get to those sooner rather than later and i think if you have a negative interpretation of silver because of the games you will have a completely different experience through the comics. Agreed. Guaranteed. I, I think that um, the comics do, do what Sonic 06 attempted to do, which was Silver's core character trait is that he is, he is naive in a lot of ways, but he is also very guarded and very alert because the only thing he wants is to fix his future. Because he's so... Because he has the ability to travel through time, Right. And he understands that he knows that there's a way he can change it, which leads to a lot of lapses in judgment and a lot of impulse because he feels like if he doesn't save the future, nobody can. Mm. The problem is that the games don't portray this well. There's not enough time taken to this concept. There's one good scene in Silver Story with Blaze, which um, I really like. Other than that, no, nothing. No time spent on this. The comics do the ju do this justice. They actually explain who Silver is, why he cares so much. And more importantly, they elaborate on and use Silver's character to really build him up as somebody who has development. And I think that's what makes him so good in these comics. Okay, 
I'm so now. I think it's time we get to our story B. Now, this is where this is where things get really interesting. Like really interesting. Written by Ian Flynn, art by our guy John Gray. Back again. Love to see you here, buddy, as always. We 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 love you. We love you, John. You're a beautiful individual. Keep doing what you're doing. So let's before we dive in, I want to I want to preface this with something. I think it's pretty obvious by this point in the comic that um Eggman Empire's kind of falling apart. Like really falling apart. It's been talked about a lot lately. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, they're pushing the attack. They're starting to get to the to, to the core of, of Eggman's uh Eggman's stuff. He he's struggling. He had to fucking strike a deal with the Dark Legion, right? There's they can only produce so many machines. And well, uh yeah, this is this is this is where we start to see what effects that may have taken on uh, the good old Doc. Oh yeah, so in the labs of New Megapolis, Eggman is just ranting and raving about how his metal scourge was destroyed. How does Sonic do it time and time again? As Snively is just monologuing to sell to himself. Why am I here? I came here for power. We used to have the most feared empire in the world, the unstoppable Bagnik Horde, but now. It's all in shambles. All we have left is this pathetic Dark Egg Legion. And he walks past Leanda and actually chastises her for not saluting when he walks by. But she just scoffs at him, says, You know, we serve your crazy uncle the same as you. Shut up. And then, you know, she and her legionnaire laugh about it. The city is in shambles, he says, and everything is falling apart. I can't just... Go, I can't disappear. I can't go back to the Mobians after what I did. And I can't go somewhere else in the Empire to start over. I can't reach out to any of them. So in his room, he's talking in an IRC chat, asking for like anyone on communications to update. And there is a reply by someone with the initials RF, all saying that they're taking the local resistance at bay. And they keep the talk going. The lackeys aren't doing great either. Good help is so hard to enslave these days. You know how it is. And even Snively offers to go down there himself. And they take him up on their offer. And even direct quote. Feel like there's someone I can be myself around. That's the end of 194. That's a little little sprinkle of things to come. Let's just leave it at that. Some very interesting stuff in there. Ah, issue 195. uh, Part 1 aptly titled hedgehog havoc boy howdy flynn and yardley the creative team we open with nicole in sonic's home with sonic's family his mom asking where he is nicole's just saying look i'm doing the best i can to find where your son is and she recaps scourge and his suppression squad the the uh, the antiverse counterparts invaded so you know sonic and the boys fought them back the decision was made to counter-invade. Chuck says that he helped to make New Star post across dimensional boundaries so Sonic could find a way to send the Moabians home. But Scourge was shoved back through the portal in the fight. Sonic dragged along with him. And with the portal closed, we have no way of accessing Sonic's wellness. But knowing your son, he's got things under control. We then see Sonic not having things under control. <laughs> He, in fact, did not have things under control. (laughs) Rosie is aiming for Scourge's body. Amy at the same time trying to shield herself as Scourge calls out to Rosie to get her to stop. To which all she says, oh, my Scourgey-wordy remembers me. 
Great moment. Sonic, in his, uh, you know, infinite kindness, uh, hits Amy with the obsessive, hammer-happy, can't-take-a-hint, I'm having trouble telling you apart. Uh, Amy responds with, uh, keep it up, cutie, and I'll smash you for her. <laughs> Not the time, buddy. Not the time. So, Amy checks on buns. Rosie smashed the bottom half of the Omega unit, but she's able to use the jetpack to get back to Kentobor's tower, so, uh, she goes off. Meanwhile, back in Mobius Prime, Eggman and Snively are seen assembling a new Metal Sonic. Snively remarking that, you know, you know, Uncle, it may be easier to send an army of medals instead of one at a time, but hey, what do I know? What, how, how dare I question genius, right? And he gets, per Eggman's request, get the engine part labeled SXSU401. This is a, a reference to something that, you know, I'll leave it to you guys to connect the dots. Wait, 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 wait. I need you to tell me what this reference is. Don't, don't leave this on the record. Tell me. Uh, so, SX, Sonic X. SU, Sonic Universe. It, Sonic X issue 40, Sonic Universe issue 1. Oh my fucking god, Ian Flynn, I, 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 yeah, that's how I feel. Anyways. Continue. Let's let's get the recording back on track. Eh, forget it. I, you know, fuck it. I'm keeping that in. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, Snively asks, "Well, uh, why not the standard STH25 model?" <laughs> 25. The debut issue of Metal Sonic. Well, Eggman says this engine is capable of moving between zones, so it can follow Sonic wherever he is in the multiverse. Overkill, if Snively suggests. Direct quote. Well, I want him over, and for Metal to kill, so it works! Snively! It's like, I wonder if she has emailed me back yet. Bro, oh you tell- are, are you telling me my man Snively got an E-girl? If so, massive W. Massive yeah, W. Yeah, actually, massive <laughs> W. Snively has acquired the E-girl. Do you think- do you think he's subscribed to her OnlyFans? Yeah, he would do that. Yeah, Snively is too much of a simp to, to, to not do that shit. Like, let's be perfectly honest here. Like, the guy simps. It doesn't matter who he simps for, he simps. Like, look at him. You telling me this guy is not a simp, you're wrong. He's a simp. Anyhow. Meanwhile, back in Mercea, the Never Lake, Silver just asked Rob, do you know where Sonic is? Yeah, uh, Numa Metropolis, but, uh, we are on the other side of the ocean from there. No problem, Silver remarks. He brought a super warp ring. Just think of where to go, and it will open a path. Rob knows the gist of where it is. My cousin sent me many a letter, and he leaves Mary on to help Silver. Meanwhile, Freedom HQ in the labs. Sally is pissed with the Suppression Squad, having trapped Sonic in Moabius with Scourge. Alicia says that the plan was just to be rid of Scourge, and our plan sent him home. It's a win-win. What's the problem here? And in the middle of the two... The warp ring opens, Rob stepping through the lab, Sally surprised to see him, and he just asks, Ah, uh, princess, where, where is Sonic and my dear cousin? What's going on? Well, long story short, they are trapped in an alternate universe, Moebius. And Silver, having stepped through behind Rob, and we all see him caressing one of the star posts. Moebius, you say. Y yeah. Hey, uh, Rob, who is this guy? I, I don't know. His name is his, his name's Silver, but I don't know where the fuck he came from. Uh, Actually, what he says is, I don't know when he came from. 
Wait, what do you mean when? <laughs> Silver um, is apparently familiar with Moebius, uh, saying that he knows of it and it's... Uh, you know, unfortunate. This is something that's never going to be addressed, by the way. I think this was one of those things that Ian Flynn wanted to set up and just never got around to, unfortunately. We're going to see this a lot more moving forward, sadly. Unfortunately. So he uses his ring to create a portal to get there. And as they walk through, Sally has Tails get the star posts up and running. Alicia saying it should take about five minutes, so Sonic should have ground Scourge into the dirt by then. Then in Moebius, Castle Acorn, Scourge and Sonic fight, they're trashing the place, and Scourge declares when he's done with Mobius Prime, it'll do more than just bow to him. Sonic just says, yeah, yeah, same old song, put up or shut up, buddy. As we see a flash of green between them, coming out Shadow, shocking the both of them with his presence, and Scourge is just like, whoa, what the, what the fuck are you doing here? What is happening right now? <laughs> and Shadow's just like, well, I was trying to get into the special zone. Sonic, where the fuck am I? <laughs> Sonic just says, well, uh, in a matter of speaking, you're in the anti-Mobius? And Shadow, Shadow doesn't seem to understand what he means by that, funnily enough. But uh, Shadow sees Scourge there, and Sonic is just like, hey dude, uh, you know, this dude over here, he took over his home planet. Wants to do the same to Mobius. Want to help me fuck him up a little bit? Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Scourge is like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? That's weak! <laughs> and then, as if by fate, Metal Sonic shows the fuck up out of nowhere. Obviously because of the engine and uh, starts beginning to scan the immediate area. Uh, finding multiple priority targets uh, and contacts and prioritizing them. Uh, basically saying, uh, so does, uh, and Sonic replies with, uh, so this, does this even the odds or? <laughs> At that moment as well, with Metal Sonic coming in, that's where the warp ring opens, stepping out Rob and Silver. Rob's surprised to see a place that looks like the old castle acorn. And Silver speaks a little dejected, saying that the place really hasn't changed much. <laughs> oh uh. oh oh which i don't know maybe it's too early to say it now but uh i'm i'm just fuck it i'm saying it dude anti-silver would be a kamida archetype i'm gonna need you to uh cease alive <laughs> look it's not my fault i'm right okay yeah i know you're right but i need you to cease alive <laughs> i need you to stop because Holy fuck. <laughs> so. Anyhow. <laughs> anyhow. So, uh, that's also where Amy runs back in panicking due to Rosie about to cave her skull in. And now, our cast of characters are all here. Sonic, Rob, Amy, Shadow, Rosie, Metal Sonic, and our newcomer Silver. And he's just asking, so which one is... As Scourge just screams, everyone get out of my castle! And we see a full page spread of all the hedgehogs in a battle royale. Silver is just in the back trying to make sense of everyone <laughs> around him. I I love this so much. I mean, listen. Something we haven't really talked about is the artwork lately because obviously it's been pretty good. But this issue in particular, oh my god, it looks fantastic. They did. They clearly put a lot of love and effort into this issue. And you can see it in this full page spread. Like, listen. Silver's expression in the background is fucking priceless because he's so confused. He's like, what is happening right now? <laughs> I didn't sign but up for this. 
I did not sign up for this bullshit. But if you look at the full page spread, there's so much detail. There's so much energy. It's so fun. I love it. And as everyone's fighting, Silver is just trying to just ask everyone, Hey, are you Sonic? Are you Sonic? Are you Sonic? No one's responding to him as he just screams enough as he stops everyone in their tracks with his psychokinesis. And now all attention on him. My name is Silver the Hedgehog. I have come from the future to find this Sonic and destroy him. Immediate next shot is Sonic and Skirts pointing at each other saying that they're Sonic. Scourge's reply is also fantastic. You coward. Sonic's reply, okay, it's a technicality, but still. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I'll give him that. I'll give him a point. But it's it, listen, listen, listen. It's it's very funny. It's cute. <laughs> it's fantastic. Silver sees Metal Sonic, and seeing that it's blue, says he recognizes the design. Sonic's like, ah, shit. Throw Sonic to the wall. He's found the traitor. It's no use! I I, I, so, I had to. Listen, I'm sorry. The line is just too iconic. Okay? It's, it was right there. I don't blame you. It's right yeah. there. And then Rob points an arrow to Silver's head, demanding an explanation. Silver says that his future was ruined because of a traitor within the ranks of the legendary Freedom Fighters. And in my estimation, Sonic is the only one with that kind of power. Rob stops Silver and says, hey man, Think for a minute. Sonic may be, like, physically powerful, but his heroism exceeds that. And are you really willing to take a life based on legend alone? But Scourge interrupts their talk, sideswinding the both of them, grabbing Rob specifically, saying that he doesn't really recognize him, but he thinks that his brother took him out a while ago. Just leave it at that. And then also homing attacks Silver, saying, Nice powers, kid. Use them to get a less stupid haircut. Oh, fucking owned. Weed, weed head the hedgehog fucking annihilated right here. <laughs> On a scale of Mario 64 oof to Roblox oof, how bad was it? I mean, it's, it's like an, it's like an eight. It's like an eight. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So Sonic though has an idea. Yo, metal, uh, timeout. We're getting nowhere fighting together like this, like a mosh pit. So how about this? Why don't we prioritize Scourge first? As metal processes and finds the proposal acceptable. Silver, let's take care of business after dealing with Scourge. Yeah, alright, I can deal with that. And Rosie, you get final smashies, which she is more <laughs> than down for. Scourge is just like, what the fuck is going on? Why are you all teaming up against me? I, I, I... The seven hedgehogs are now all surrounding him, saying, Real cute, throw enough chumps at me and hope it works, huh? Well, I got ways of dealing with you as he breaks the formation, speeding to the throne room. Sonic and Shadow are able to keep up behind him, and Sonic bunks him on the head, Scourge landing on his throne. Give it up, Scourge. You're done. Not a chance. Not while my throne is stocked with Anarchy Barrel. And Sonic <laughs> puts two and two together. Anarchy Barrel. Oh. Chaos Emeralds. Chaos Emeralds. Then we then see a full spread of Scourge stepping down from his throne, achieved a super form. Purple fur, blue fire on his jacket, red eyes, black sclera, super Scourge. 
All hail the king, baby. Now, I just oh. I, I just want to say, that's the end of 195. Fantastic. Fantastic end. However, I while I love, I want to preface this. I love this. I absolutely love this. However, I think we can make, we can do this better. We can make it better. Add a page or two showing the transformation sequence. Set up for things to come is what I'm saying here. Show Scourge basically engulfing himself in like a black hole a little teeny tiny bit of light being shown immediately engulfed and then a purple like pillar of darkness shooting up destroying the throne room we can see the outside of the castle basically having a storm come the sonic and shadow are just like scared out of their mind they don't know what's going on maybe even have shadow saying sonic what the hell is going on what does he mean anarchy barrel sonic saying i those are, i think these are those like, this is the Mo- moabian chaos emeralds and then maybe even further in the back we have all the other hedgehogs having wind rushing from the throne room just like going holy shit what the hell and then after the end of it we have the same backdrop of Super Scourge, full art design, but now we also see the throne destroyed, castle wall destroyed, and now just a huge thunderstorm going on behind him. What do you think? I fuck with it. I fuck with it heavily. Um. I, okay, so we, we alluded to this um, when we talked about the idea of the Chaos Emerald or the Master Emerald empowering uh, another version of Sonic. It is so fucking smart that Ian Flynn's get-out-of-jail-free card is... Well, if Sonic can go super, Scourge can go super, mm-hmm. right? Right, of course. Well, it's anti-Mobius, so they probably have their own version of the Chaos Emeralds, right? And on this world, well, in this dimension, there was no great re- re- reforging of the Chaos Emeralds, right? Mm-hmm. So... Wouldn't it make sense for Scourge, in case of an emergency, to keep the throne stocked with the one resource he can pull from yeah oh yeah yeah? i I think so i think so oh yeah we're gonna get a comment on that too from uh another friend of ours as well but yes super dope i i remember when this came out i was just like so hyped for this i remember seeing that last page i was like raw this is raw this is so good even as even as a teenager i knew this shit was good man it is uh it is absolutely excellent now Sonic 196, Flynn and Yardley, once again, the creative team. The Freedom Fighters and the Suppression Squad are arguing in the, in the uh, HQ labs over the situation of, you know, leaving Sonic and Amy stranded in Moabius. But Alicia says, well, you wanted Scourge gone and you got it. Shut up. Well, Sally just says, you know what? Shove it. Tails, get those star posts online. And Alicia pulls out the whip to restrain. But Miles holds her back, saying that the heroes uh, should have pulverized the former king by now. Curb your enthusiasm music plays. Uh, <laughs> the suppression squad walk through to the open portal first. Miles to get the globe post to send these jerks back home when they're done. But Boomer hears the fighting just outside. And the suppression squad and the freedom fighters together walk into the throne room, shocked to see what they're seeing. Super Scourge having defeated everyone around him, holding Sonic aloft... Oh, good. Fresh meat to soften my knuckles on. (laughs) Holy fuck. Scourge uh, rushes Bunny first, then Antoine, then Tails, then Sally, then Alicia, then Boomer, then Patch, and finally comes running for Miles. All the while, 
taunting each of them, breaking them down to their very core in terms of who they are. Not with, you know, big overtly monologues, but, uh, you know. The, 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 the little sonic snappy comebacks. Yep. Using them, uh, you know, rather than playfully as, as rude and mean as possible. By the end of it, Silver has gained enough strength to uh, attempt to uh, restrain uh, Super Scourge uh, using a psychokinesis. Scourge taunting, saying, you know, oh, not bad, but uh, you actually brought me to a full stop. But I'm invulnerable, and it means nothing stops me. And he breaks free of Silver's barrier, and Sonic just gets up. He's trying to figure out Sonic. All right, come on. You've been super before, Sonic. What's your secret weakness? Come on. As Metal Sonic grabs him, reprioritizing Sonic as his main target, just saying, yo, what the, we're, knock it off, we're in serious danger here, all of us are. And Metal calculates that, yes, with Scourge's super form now in play, a uh, victory is at now a 0% chance, so the target viable now is you. But Shadow comes in to knock him away. Any other ideas besides kicking him in the face, though? Shadow does have an idea. It came to this zone by itself, so maybe, uh, maybe I can tap into some of its power. Shadow grabs Metal's body and induces chaos control, and the two are gone in a flash. Sonic gives him props. Leave a pin in this one. We'll, we'll check back on them later. We'll check back on this, yes. Rosie is going ape shit though. Uh, bonking uh, Super Scourge over the head nonstop, screaming about how it's not fair that he's uh, squishy anymore. Uh, Super Scourge retaliates and, uh, you know, knocks her against the wall. Yeah, and Amy felt that in her soul. Yeah. Uh, Robbo uh, decides to fire a, uh, a, a binding. Well, sorry, I'm using World of Warcraft terminology. Uh, fuck Activision Blizzard, by the way. Uh, real talk about that. real yeah real true and real uh fires a binding shot to uh wrap uh rosie up comments to amy that you know she may not be you dear cousin but i must act she'll be safer this way mm. amy taking this in a very sweet gesture uh and wanting to get back to the beat down miles uh once again uh showing that a uh, lovely lovely negative side of tails runs away like a true coward right and sonic is holding him by a tail but he's just screaming, let me go, let me go. Unlike the rest of you, I don't want to fucking die. And Sonic just asks plainly and cleanly, all right, buddy, where can I get some anarchy barrel? And he just says, listen, we locked it all far away a long time ago. I have no clue how Scourge got his hand on any of that. Well, he mentioned that he's had some stashed in his throne. To which Miles says, oh, that's unusually cunning for him. Ugh. And upon Sally getting up, Miles just says, Okay, well, maybe we can uh, lure Scourge back to Mobius, huh? Sonic, you can fight him as Supersonic. Out of the question on two counts, buddy. Number one, we're not letting this fucking demon run a buck on our home. And number two, we only have seven Chaos Emeralds to work with. Five of which are in the special zone, and two of which are out of our reach. Then we're doomed. <laughs> uh, Sally calls for a grand rally, getting everyone to action. Everyone. And when we say everyone, we mean everyone. Working together. Good, the, the Mobians, the Moebians. Everyone is trying to take down Scourge. Silver uh, using his psychokinesis to hold him in place. But it's all for naught. Bunny and Boomer also force him down with their projectiles. And then everyone just kind of just fucking dogpile him. Mobian and Moabian alike just burying Scourge with their body, hopefully long enough like this to just run out the clock until he naturally depowers. But Silver just says, I 
can't hold on much longer, leading him to break free, energy wave throwing everyone away, screaming, you can't stop me! Sonic, homing attacks him constantly, screaming, fall down, fall down, fall down, leaving Scourge to drag Sonic out of the castle. Thunderstorm happening hard and throws Sonic into the mud, and honestly, this next scene, I really just transcribe this i cannot i cannot summarize this and do it justice yeah scourge what is it with you i gave you your chance we could have ruled the multiverse together but no you decided to go the holier than thou route see where that got you sonic is trying to run away but scourge keeps corning cornering him Forget ruling Moabius or Mobius. I'm Super Scourge. I'll spin dash both the planets in half because I can. I'll keep stomping on planets until I can find the one that gives me the respect I deserve. Hey, I'm talking to you! As Sonic runs away into the forest. So Sonic's thinking, I can't outrun him. I can't outfight him. He'll revert eventually, but I don't know if we can last that long. Scourge is beginning to give chase as he's continuing. There's no downside to being super. Even when I power down, I feel great. But he stops dead in his tracks and realizes, well, this isn't my Mobius. We're in the anti-Mobius. That's it. And Scourge catches up, releasing an energy wave, knocking Sonic back. I'm done toying with you. I'm ending you right here, right now. And Sonic kind of goads him. Yeah, yeah. I got no regrets. I took you down on my own, and you had to be super to take me down. You probably couldn't even beat me now with all that power, huh? And Scourge says, I've been more than a match for you since day one. I can finish you super or not. Prove it, tough guy. Fine, you arrogant little. And he depowers, collapsing on a puddle, struggling to even breathe as if he's on a withdrawal. And he's only getting out. Why? How? It took me a minute, but I figured out how things bounced out. You guys get tons of Anarchy Barrel. We only get seven Chaos Emeralds. The super forms are the same. Yours may even last a little longer than mine. But when I power down, it gives me a small boost. When you do it, it burns you out. Scourge is muttering to himself, cheated me. I'm king conquered this whole planet you're nothing and with a swipe of his fucking hand sonic cracks the crown grabbing scourge by his jacket you're a bully and that's it you take the easy nasty way out and get the quick reward big whoop i do things the right way i help others to make something bigger and better than just mean the good guys always win in the long run and there isn't anybody who can run longer or better than i can so I want to stop here. I want to stop here because number one, th all of this was fucking sick as hell, by the way. This is genuinely my favorite arc because this was so much good dialogue, so many good interactions. Obviously, Scooper Scourge was just fucking raw. And honestly, this was a rare instance of Sonic like outsmarting an opponent. You don't get to see something like that very often. And honestly, this is probably like my favorite individual comic. It's just... It's just so good. And you know what? I want to take this a step further. A theme of Scourge that I've seen so far repeating over and over is this idea of potential. The idea, remember, think all the way back in that little talk that Scourge and Sonic had about, you know, 
Scourge can be bigger than himself. Scourge, you're having a lot of wasted potential. You know, you could be good. You can be loved. You can be revered if you just put a little effort into it. So Sonic says. And I don't know. Having read this whole character arc for Scourge, I just look at this and I just can't help but think like this is a meta commentary on this character. So I want to take us all the way back. All the way back to when these characters were first introduced as like anti-Sonic and the anti-Freedom Fighters. And let's think about this. Okay. They come from a world where they deposed the king and they took over their, you know, kingdom of Acorn. And as a result, they just kind of ran it into the ground because they didn't really give a shit. They just did things by, like, the seat of their pants and just did things on a whim, mostly. And they had very little resistance to it. Like we said in earlier in the episode, their version of Robotnik didn't want to fight back. His more interest was just keeping his little fiefdom safe from them and just, you know, just hoping that they don't get aggressive. So with no resistance, nothing to really build themselves up, they became kind of lazy. And every time that these characters were seen compared to the prime freedom fighters, they were just kind of a nuisance. But I, as a reader, came away with these characters thinking that they had a lot of potential. And I wanted to see more of them because I wanted to see like what they can really get into. And under the helm of uh, <clears throat> previous writers, we never got to see that. Never got to see that. And I don't know what Ian Flynn was thinking when he took over the comic and you know what he thought about the anti-freedom fighters as a whole. But just coming at it from a reader, there could have been so much more with this character, with these characters, with this world as a whole. And nothing just ever came about because of it. And now we get to see some of that potential fully actualized and fully realized. We're seeing a fantastic story and kind of like, not a drawback, but what we're seeing is something being actualized here. Something that we know deep down that Scourge wants to be more than just a, a variant of Sonic, so to speak. He is his own person, so he believes. He's his own identity. But comparing himself to Sonic, it kind of wasn't. So that gave him a little bit of like an existential freakout once they had that little talk of potential. And then this is the result. Not just from like an in-universe character perspective, but just by the very nature of writers changing hands and this new writer realizing that there's something can be actually mined here. So let's let's just let's just hit the mines. Grab that pickaxe. I wanted to let you finish before I spoke because I feel like um I agree with you in a lot of respects. <clears throat> but I also have my own interpretation of it. Um so Obviously, the entire uh, arc of the of the Antimobians and Scourge is uh, obviously built on the idea of potential, uh, the idea of uh, self-actualization, and reflection. Each character is a flipped counterpart. Sonic's crew, they're not perfect. They're a ragtag bunch of freedom fighters. But what they always do is that they bring out the best in each other. Do they get into squabbles, spats, fights, arguments, issues? Yeah. But at the end of the day... They bring out their best aspects in each other, right? But the Anti-Mobians, it's the opposite. They have their worst aspects brought out because they're selfish, callous, uncaring, unforgiving. And what happened was Scourge got a power boost and he started to realize that he could be a big dick player. And now he wasn't on the, the same playing field as his friends, right? Well, his, his friends. He could be more, right? Which is why the whole Fiona arc happened. She... Fiona wanted a bad boy, so hooked up with Scourge. And as a result, 
it sort of leads Scourge down this path of reflection. Something that ironically, and I'm just going to bring it up, Sonic kind of has to go through too with all the shit that happened with Tails, mm-hmm. right? Sonic has to reflect that, yeah, he was a fucking dick to his best friend. Scourge realizes, on the other hand, that his reflection isn't, you know, oh, I I can be, um, you know, he doesn't take Sonic's advice in the way that he intend, that Sonic intends. It's It's the whole idea that Sonic brings up is the concept of you can be more than what you are. You just have to put in the effort. You can be a better person. And Scourge sees that and then takes it to the exact opposite extreme, which is, oh, I can be a better person? Yeah, let's fucking conquer the entire planet and kill everyone. And he does that because no one would fight back because he's too powerful now. So for me, I think that this arc, what it does is that it doubles down on those themes and then explores them even further. The fact that Scourge, Scourge's ace in the hole is ironically Sonic's ace in the hole all the time in the, in the games, movies, media, everything. It is always supersonic. That is the God figure, right? But Scourge's transformation into a godlike figure isn't something that is ha- like, like hailed as like a, a, a wonderful thing. It is hailed as one of the worst possible outcomes imaginable because Scourge isn't a savior. He's a destroyer. He's causing destruction. I, I really like this arc because it recontextualizes and forces you to think about Sonic. Sonic could have been such a different character if things went completely differently in his life. And I always like I, the idea that, that there, are, there are facets of the character that don't get explored enough. And I think this is it. The selfishness and the childish impulses that Sonic has are clearly brought out to the most extreme degrees here. And I, I love the fact that Scourge gets to embody all of that and it forces us to look at Sonic and think he really is, like, not that far from becoming this character. That's the point with all of the, you know, or of all the anti-Mobians. But since, like, obviously Sonic is the focal character, obviously this is where our minds go to. And yes, while all of them can be bad, if Sonic were to just, like, have, you know, that one bad day Scourge was mentioning... It th- that's it. It's over. Sonic yeah. could curb stuff. That's honestly now when you put it like that, it is completely reasonable to see Silver saying that Sonic was the one who destroyed the Freedom Fires in the future. That's completely reasonable. Which is which is why the the introduction of him now and the introduction of this uh, plot thread, uh, which we will say this will be followed up on. There is an actual conclusion to this plot thread. We are not going to say anything about it, but it, but suffice to say, I the, when you find out who it is, we're all going to be having a big laugh. Yeah, and let's just, uh, we'll put a pin on that, but I also do want to say Ian Flynn tends to use Silver as, as a way to introduce, like, plot threads that we will not see for a while, but when we see them, we will remember. He does this in even the IDW comics as well. It's very clever. I like it a lot. I do as well. Yeah, I mean, this arc is fantastic. Uh, there's a lot, obviously, that we've commented on here. But we're not done with our analysis yet. Oh, oh my no. god. We have so much more to talk about. Oh. And we've been going for, oh my god, an hour 30. Jesus Christ. We, we've we got a lot. The, the, we're, the road's not stopping. We're still going on the coaster. And so, with all that being said, we move to the next scene. In the next morning, the suppression squad are removing the glow post from their castle, being goaded into returning them to Dr. Kentobor, Buns being there to take them back herself in her Omega suit. 
And Miles says, you know, Buns, Scourge was the one who wanted you out anyway, and hey, with that armor, you could be a real asset to the Suppression Squad. And all she says is, you're a creepy little cuss, you know that? As the Mobians head out, Buns carrying the globe post behind, and Amy clutching the Sonic ar- Sonic's arms, saying that she's all fine one adventure later with him. Yeah, okay, Amy, wh- whatever you say, let's just go back to Kentober and get out of here. This, this place is messed up. So the following scene is really interesting. I actually don't know if this is followed up on. It's not, for the record. It's not, un- it's not. Unfor- unfortunate, but this is a very interesting plot thread to leave on. So Alicia and Miles are having a brief conversation, basically talking about, you know, sort of the future, right? Basically, their conversation amounts to um, figure out how to restore Moebius. Uh, you know, they're going to go back to Mobius and, and make them pay for the collective embarrassment. Miles says something, and the response is what, what makes it very interesting. Miles says, to put you back on the throne of Moebius, your majesty. Alicia's reply, please, Miles, I may be the figurehead, but we both know who's in charge around here. With a panel of Miles looking, uh, quite devilish, if I do say so myself. Now, obviously, because this is not followed up on, um, we don't really know where this was supposed to lead. But the assumption in my mind is that maybe there was somebody before, uh, before Scourge who was the rightful ruler and has been hiding. Or maybe it's implying that Miles is the true leader. But I don't think that's the case. Eh, I mean, I think you could interpret it as both ways. I do interpret it as like Alicia ceding power to Miles. At least, direct quote, I may be the figurehead here, but we both know who's really in charge and leading Miles to have that, you know, the little devilish grin. So in my mind, I read that as like Alicia saying, look, I'll be the one up front. I'll be the one officially making orders, but Miles, you run the show. However, you also saying that there may be someone behind the scenes who really is in charge also very interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the anti-Mobian characters or the Mobian characters that are linked uh, to uh, anti-Mobius, there are possibilities. You know, there's a lot of characters we did not see, probably intentionally, but it feels like maybe Flynn wanted to go around a third time and have a potential, and this is this is like this is what I think he maybe was trying to lead to a a a, a maybe like. 10 issue arc where it's Mobius versus anti-Mobius round three, where it devolves into an all out war. That would have been something that would have been been, something that would have been fucking sick. Okay. But speculation aside now, silver and Sonic back at Kintober's tower, having a little conversation, right? Sonic asking, are we cool? Silver saying, "Uh, no, no, not really. I got to go do more research. But I gotta find the traitor, and I gotta protect your team. <laughs> the, the the best part of this panel is, of course, uh, Silver leaving, and uh, Sonic saying, uh, "Have fun with your uh, dystopian future, or whatever." <laughs> yeah, uh, Sonic's like, "Well, uh, glad that's not me, huh?" Then from there, Kentobor bids the Freedom Fighters farewell, thanking them for bringing his glow post back. And Sonic asks, "Hey, do you still have him?" "Yep, sure do." Still bound and has not moved from last night. And as the other Freedom Fighters walk through the glow posts, Sally says that all was taken care of. Rob was sent back to his home. The other Freedom Fighters have walked through the portal. So, Sonic, we're the last to go. 
Well, not quite, he says. You're the last to go, Sally. And we see Sonic with Scourge thrown over his shoulder. I'll be taking Scourge to the zone jail in the parallel zone. And I'm getting some answers. And a 196. Now we are on Sonic the Hedgehog number 197. Flynn and Yardley, the creative team. So... We we see Sonic running through the cosmic interstate, Scourge over his shoulder, saying that even though it's been a while that he's run these roads, they're in pretty bad disrepair. Sonic reminisces him taking the interstate without a second thought, until he met Zonic, his counterpart from the No Zone, who told him once before he's destined to be the protector of the multiverse. So after he stopped, he drops Scourge off, he'll grill him on why he's not doing his part of the job. As Scourge wakes up, kicks Sonic over the head, and starts running in the other direction. Even though Scourge is not at his hottest, he's still one step ahead, as he lets Sonic homing attack to break his binds. Scourge obviously not wanting to be jailed in an interdimensional prison cell, but in their fight, they're detained by two zone cops, saying that they're violating the multiverse lockdown. Meanwhile, Sally is brought before the Acorn Council, saying that it, she feels like it's as if she's under arrest. But charges haven't even been pressed yet, so what's going on? Well, that's the purpose of this hearing. And she's shocked. I just came back from Moabius. Well, what's the deal here? And one of the counselors, Hammond, who, for the record, is one of her former Freedom Fighter students, that's important, just yes. roll with me very, here. Very important. Says the charges are that we have to discuss here are substituting and undermining the council's authority and going rogue. So it's treason, then. You're accusing me of treason. Well, the council voted not to deal with the suppression squad, and the active freedom fighters are supposed to focus on the fight against Eggman. And Sally tries to interject about the chaotics being here, but Hanlon brings it back. Well, you led the freedom fighters across zone into Moabius, yes or no? Yes. And then Rosemary interjects that the council voted for Sonic's insurrection to be punished. And since both you and King Elias met with him before he left, perhaps this is some kind of royal conspiracy? But that's ridiculous! I crafted Sonic's punishment on the authority as his fear leader. Not as the authority as princess? No. So you have no power outside of being field leader? I suppose since Elias is king? And then Hamlin kind of checkmates Sally by saying, Oh, so you made a decision as field leader of the Freedom Fighters, a group that directly orders the, to the Council of Acorn. So you just admitted you went against the orders of your superiors. And Sally just goes, I crud. <laughs> uh Obviously, we, we, we had mentioned um, previously the uh, the idea of like, you know, like the political aspect of uh, of the comics getting a little bit more intense with the Council of Acorn and the uh, the sort of trappings of democracy. And now we are seeing that taking full effect as Hammond, like you said, checkmates Sally and basically convinces her to testify that uh, she fucked up hard. But unfortunately, we'll be moving to a different scene. Uh... In the cosmic interstate, we see the two co the two cops who are the no zone equivalents of Vector and Espio arresting them. Sonic said, "Look, I'm cool to come along with you. I needed to see Sonic anyway." And Scourge just kind of plays along. So this Zector is his name creates a warp ring to the no zone and tells them, "Get ready to adjust to the 90 degree rotation." 
which uh for those who like don't remember the the no zone exists on like a different world line I, uh, okay i need to explain a it like different this. it's like it's like it's like okay so like to give it to you perspective right so like our world line or our our like our like spatial axis right is like this it's right? like it's like an x-axis okay it's on an x-axis and the world line that Zonic is on is on like a y-axis okay yeah so there's so there's a 90 degree rotation right right so that's if you're a little like huh about that there you go there's your explanation Sonic and Scourge then see the zone trashed. What's going on? But Scourge says he could use a little bit more destruction and runs off, still in the 90-degree rotation. He says he's been locked in here once before. I ain't going back to jail. So he decides to cause some more destruction. And then from here, a straight shot back to Mobius. And the situation now is on high alert. All zone cops capture Scourge. But Sonic asks, hey... Uh, can you guys, like, first get me something to rotate me correctly, and then also give me some answers? Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Meanwhile, in the council room, Chucks tells to Sally, Well, uh, you better give a good explanation, because his claims are accurate. So Sally says, While the council did choose to punish Sonic, the specifics were left up to me. Ergo, anything I would have chosen would have been sanctioned by the council. Hamlet's saying, yeah, like, we're gonna go, we're gonna approve anything that goes against our interests. Try again. Well, two counselors here assisted in building new star posts. That's approval enough to me. Yeah, the star posts are to be used to gather the Chaos Emeralds, an already approved, ongoing mission. Plus, those counselors fall under your command. You're kind of proving how far you went here. But I, but we know we didn't have any larger plans to like actually take over territory. We just had an opportunity and we took it. And now Freedom HQ is back under our control. And also the Moabians are gone. Yep. Well, the ends do not justify the means. And honestly, if we accept justifications like that, this whole council is redundant. And that's where Sally resigns. Fine. You win. I'm guilty. I would like to continue because I really like this moment. Mm -hmm. It's very smart. Hammond is ready to move forward and press. But Sally interrupts. Understand this. I will not go through this again. I will not act. I will not give any order until I've had direct approval of the council, even if we're in the middle of a fight. You can discount any help from the Chaotix. They are free agents beyond my control. I will refuse to give them any orders. Or you can trust me. I've been defending us all my life. I wouldn't do anything to endanger my people. And the council vote begins. All for dropping the investigation and all charges leveled at Princess Sally Acorn. Everyone agrees, except for Hammond. Good speech. Good speech. Yeah, it really just goes to show it. And afterwards, Rotor comes in to congratulate her. Wow, Hammond really got you cornered. How did you get out of it? What do you think? And she says, like, yeah, he really did get me cornered. Honestly, all I, all I did was just convince the council to let me go. But before Hammond leaves, Sally comes up to him and just asks, why? Why do you come after me this hard? You used to be one of my freedom fighters. Yeah, substitute freedom fighters. Trained by the best and then promptly forgotten and left behind. But you were never forgotten. Yeah, don't placate me, Sally. I ran for office so I could finally make a difference. If I can't fight for my people, then I'll make sure they're being fought for correctly. And we see Hammond cast in shadow as he leaves, 
Sally a little upset by that remark and Rotor comforting her as a result. I will say, I do like the fact that there is like a legitimate precedent. Um, it's very difficult when you're obviously somebody who had to witness uh, the pangs of war and then watch as the fight continues to go on and on and on and on and then never seeing the status quo change that much over several years. I can get his I can get his very um justifiable rage but obviously it is very directed and pointed at Sally because she was the leader of the Freedom Fighters. Yeah, and kind of as a result what I got away from that was just that this is just like clearly like a personal beef which is understandably justified but at the same time he's using, you know, uh political resources to like come after someone to just like kind of just for like their own self-aggrandizement which is a very politician thing to do don't get me wrong like all of this is like completely expected but it's just like so weird to see this in a sonic comic but i think i digress so we move back into the no zone sonic is with zonic now and gives him a spatial stabilizer throws it under his glove all right man what's going on with the multiverse being under lockdown what's the deal well, long story short, a madman named Dr. Nega is traveling the cosmic highway and waging war with the Zone Cops. So we had to lock down the multiverse to get him in, to get him out of your world. Sands of Fuse Zone still being open to the Prime Zone for stability's sake. Now, I want to preface something. So Dr. Nega obviously is supposed to be Eggman Nega from Sonic Rush. However, from what I understand, uh, Ian Flynn said at this point in time, for some reason, Sega did not let them use Eggman Nega in the comics, so this was their workaround? Which is very strange. Um, I don't understand why there was reluctance. I mean, Eggman Nega is, I mean, he's, he's, he's a different version of Eggman, but like, he's still interesting. And, and, and he's from the games too, so it's not like this is like some kind of, you know, comic thing. He's from the games, like, what what's the harm? Yeah, I don't see the harm. Whatever. So Sonic just says, all right, that's good enough for me. Let's go kick Scourge's butt, and Zonic agrees. So Zonic shoots at Scourge. Buddy, you're ragged. Just give it up, and Scourge will not relent until Sonic homing attacks him, knocking Scourge off center. And Zonic throws a gold clamp at Scourge, which locks around his neck and subdues him. It's a control collar. It'll keep his abilities in check without hurting him. All right, that's pretty cool. Oh, and hey, uh, by the way, man, uh, let me ask you something real fast, you know, while we're all here. Uh, when are you gonna come in and take away Eggman? I'm not. What? Wrong answer. This Eggman is from another zone, not my prime zone. My Robotnik died a while ago. This guy is your problem. So, this is kind of answering a question that... Honestly, I kind of forgot about the fact that this Eggman is from another zone. So technically speaking, it is completely within the justification for the zone cops to just come in and say, yo, this Eggman is fucking shit up in reality. Uh, we're not, we're not doing this. We're not going to let this guy have a round two. You're coming to zone jail, buddy. And that just never happened. So now we're kind of getting an explanation for this, I guess. Yeah, I mean... It's an explanation, uh, it's given, but I also think the explanation basically of being like, look, every Sonic needs an Eggman, there has to be some zone stability as a result of that. The fact that there wouldn't be in any other case is, uh, unfortunate. Yeah. But, 
That, that's basically what he says, that this Eggman shares an identical enough history with Robotnik Prime, so uh, we just called it a wash. For the sake of, of zone stability, Sonic has to be fighting a Robotnik. Which I have to say, look at that. Cops are being useless just like in real life. Epic. A cab, motherfuckers. And actually, uh, to expand upon this, Ian Flynn, like a long time ago on his forum, did like an in-character Q&A session where someone asked, you know, Zonic about the situation and there there was a little bit of an expanded upon answer. So basically direct quote, if Sonic had managed to kill Robotnik on his own, it'd be different. Because remember, Robotnik was killed via the Ultimate Annihilator, which basically wiped him out of existence. And it's, it's a, again, quote, it is as if Sonic had no hand in the affair and Robotnik didn't just die. He was erased. Kind of left a hole in the grand scheme of things causing the need for Eggman to fill that role. So in other words, as direct as it can be, if the ultimate annihilator did not go off and, you know, Egg or Robotnik was killed at the hands of Sonic, maybe the, the zone cops could have done something about it. But in the way that there was like such like temporal and spatial chaos out of the ultimate annihilator, that did cause some like temporal and spatial effects that everyone suffered it seems like that the entire multiverse suffered from so because of this really unique situation they just called it a wash and they were like all right um or let's ignore this now yeah i mean it's a it's a good explanation it makes sense it's it's within reasonability um I, i think it's fine honestly we didn't really need to have this explanation because i think the reader can take away that like yeah sonic needs eggman to fight what's the point otherwise but like you know what good on ian flynn for like really like plug trying to plug every hole he can find i respect that uh sonic comes back in and says well you know what are you even doing around here why did i have to bring scourge to you myself Dude, what do you want from us? We've been under attack constantly, and honestly, Scourge's mutation kind of left him a wild card in the cosmic scheme of things. Yeah, yeah, call me whatever you want, Scourge says, but at the end of the day, I'm Sonic the Hedgehog at its fullest potential. Hey, look at that. Look look how we closed it. Look how we closed it's a, it. It's a, little, it's a little bow. It's a little bow on the story. It's a little bow. I love you, Ian Flynn. You're so good. Uh, and Zonix is like, yeah, yeah. Tell it to the judge, pal, as he walks Scourge away. Officers Zector and Zespio will see you home, Sonic. And the next time we see him, drop him off in front of the gates of Numa Metropolis. And Sonic comes just straight home to his parents, his mom and dad just beaming with joy that their son saved the day once again. And with Scourge locked away, you can get some rest now, right, honey? Well, yeah, but we got one more fight to finish. Meanwhile, in Eggman's base, Snively is called for by Eggman, but he's called for by his birth name, Colin. That's a little note uh okay so so he logs off his his skype call with his e-girl regina i'll call you tomorrow honey again massive w massive 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 w for our man snively he really found this e-girl and was just like fuck it it's real (laughs) i respect it honestly i respect it now snively is pissed that he had to go off at this time of the night but that's where he realized that eggman called him by his first name colin He's never called me by his by my birth name. So Snively thinks that this might be a sign that Eggman's madness may be getting worse. 
you know, the babbling, the sloppiness that the egg dome's just getting worse for wear. But man, this might mean my plans with Regina could be accelerated. So he gets into the lab. Uncle, what do you need? Get behind the blast shield and watch the monitors. Oh, very well. What are we testing today? The egg minnow, or maybe the egg rabbit to stomp on Sonic, huh? As we then see just a wall of fire behind the shield, freaking the fuck out of him. Test complete. Snively, what are the readings? And he's just cowering in fear. <laughs> well above your expectations, sir. Excellent. The egg phoenix is ready to launch. Now, uh, I, I, I gotta, I gotta say, uh, Eggman, Eggman, Eggman's starting to, you know, uh, kinda, kinda lose it a bit. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, we've always known he has not had the, the most tight gears, but there's a lot more gears on the floor now. What the hell happened here? Yeah. Well, we'll see. So, that's the end of, like, the, the main section comics for now uh there is a story b here flynn and yardley were the creative team which is again a non-canon adaptation of a game specifically of sonic and the black knight now i'm just gonna get through it real fast uh it's just the opening cutscene of the game merlina's chased by a black knight monsters going after her she summons sonic uh sonic fights off the monsters and as he's about to fight this black knight merlina takes him away and vanishes in a cloud of dust the knight rides up to his underlings, looking like Knuckles, Shadow, and Blaze in armor. Then we come to learn that they are Gawain, Lancelot, and Percival, respectively. Slay them on sight as his orders as he leaves. But must we, she is the royal wizard after all. Lancelot says the king's orders are absolute. Percival agrees. She does say the king has changed, as does this kingdom. I have this last note. This fake grand order Dojin sucked. I don't know who put that there. That's a joke for me. I, I know that's li you're not into fate, Aaron, but that's a joke for me. I I, 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 I see. Okay, I, I understand. I understand your obsession, and I, <laughs> and I respect it. Now for something a little different, folks. So, uh, what time? What time? What time is it? Oh, I, I mean, you know. So we we covered the 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 Sonic X comics um on Patreon uh patreon.com slash sonicspeed patreon.com slash sonicspeed lowest uh, $2 five, a month. Yeah, lowest is $2 a month. Uh support us more if you can. We didn't cover issue 40, but there's a reason for that because it ties into the main comic. Before we get into Sonic X, uh we'll be right back with the Archie Sonic Digest. We're covering Sonic X number 40. All the other issues we had covered in our Patreon exclusive series, Another Side, Another Story. And we will be starting the Mega Man comics as well over there. Uh, please tune in to those because we will have a lot of great things to say about those Mega Man comics. But Sonic X issue 40 with Flynn writing, Hutchinson doing the art, uh... Again, we talked about more about that in the Patreon show. But we open on Sonic having a tea party with cream, vanilla, and cheese. They're just they're just chilling, having a good time with the family. Until on top of the table, a green flash of light coming out Shadow and Metal Sonic from the Prime Zone. Back that last scene where Shadow used Chaos Control on Metal, this was their next jumping point. Now... Before we move on, I want to comment on something because 
a little bit of a fandom history for you guys. When this comic was still being made, there was actually like legitimate debate in the fandom as to whether or not the Sonic X comics was part of like the larger Archie Sonic multiverse as it is, or if it was just its own isolated thing. But seeing Shadow and Metal Sonic here confirms the former. I think it's interesting that they frame it like this because uh, it turns what is uh, something that is generally pretty innocuous into a legitimately like, oh, Wait, that's actually kind of interesting. You know, like, again, like Ian Flynn likes to do. <laughs> Shadow kicks metal off the table, and it reads that this is an unknown zone. Postpone objectives, find resident Dr. Eggman, and flies off. Shadow a little pissed at the escape until Sonic calls out to Shadow, Hey dude, uh, mind getting off the table? We then skip to see Sonic running with Shadow through Station Square, Shadow's catching Sonic up to what his situation was off-screen, you know, like the fact that he's from another zone, he was fighting this Metal Sonic in a different anti-verse zone, and Sonic actually seems to understand fairly well. He doesn't really get the whole zone thing you're talking about, but we're all from another planet, you know, things are different here, so, you know, close enough. And, like, besides, in the case of this world, Shadow, you're supposed to be dead, leaving Shadow to be <laughs> perturbed. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be fucking dead, buddy. It's like, hey, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> but uh, Sonic dismisses that. Look, I'll show you around for the time being. You're you're here after all. But Shadow's like, well, we really should go after Metal. But Sonic says, don't worry about it. Trouble will find us. Trust me. So Sonic introduces Shadow to his world's chaotic detective agency and comments about him, you know, or like, hey, do you have these guys in your world shadow and he says yeah but they're not exactly detectives and vector so this is a great scene this is one that's always that's usually like taken out of context so i'm just gonna do it verbatim and vector says hey sonic is that shadow with you yeah isn't he dead long story he's better now cool Oh, God. Sometimes the writing in this comic really hits. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Chaotics are rebuilding their office after an incident where a shadowy organization turned Vector into a 40-foot-tall kaiju. And Shadow just kind of lets that fly over his head. I do not want to think about that. As Sonic brings him along to their next stop. He brings Shadow to Station Square Elementary to meet Chris. Shadow's reminding him, like, look... You know I'm not from this world, right? And Sonic says that does not matter. Just come with me. So they run into Danny, Francis, and Helen, some of Chris's friends, surprised to see Shadow knowing what they know. And in comes Chris and his teacher, both surprised to see him. So immediately, Chris just runs in and bear hugs Shadow, lifting him up, tears in his eyes, saying he never thought he'd see him again. And Shadow's just like reaching out for Sonic, trying to get help. But Shadow's just like, yeah, uh, I, I am back. Yes, I am. But I got to keep moving. But one day, I promise I'll be back for real. So, okay. So the context of this, um, I think we described this in the Patreon stuff. Uh, but yeah, so in Sonic X, the person who gives Shadow the speech to essentially wake the fuck up, right? And stop being a despondent asshole and realize what Maria actually wanted for you is Chris, not Amy. The reason why this hits so hard is because that speech was like such a central turning point. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, 
It's kind of weird to have this very emotional moment in the middle of this pretty lighthearted comic, but it's also sweet when you consider that Sonic did it because he knew how much it mean to Chris. Yeah, Shadow kind of did get caught in the middle of it, but, you know, he was he was quick on his feet. He thought of something up real quick. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, at Eggman's Tower, one of his lackeys, Bokun, comes into the front door after the constant knocking and opens the door, is just scared shitless at what he's seeing, and he just flies across the base, screaming constantly, all the while being followed by Metal Sonic. And they come across two of Eggman's other lackeys, Boko and Deco, and uh, also run alongside him being scared shitless. And Eggman comes out screaming, just what's all this racket about? As Metal Sonic approaches Eggman, saying, this unit originates from the Prime Zone. Doctor, I await your orders. So Eggman thinks that this Prime Zone must be an alternate reality of some kind, but I don't think it matters. A killer robot might be just what the Doctor ordered. So, here's another thing to also take into consideration that should go without saying. Uh, there was no Metal Sonic in the Sonic X reality, so this is just a little a little touch of fan service, I think. Yeah, it's cute. Basically, Eggman's overjoyed to have his killer robot. Bokun, Boko, and uh, Diko, you know, make some comments on it. They're, uh, they're confused about it, but uh, Eggman just says, eh, we have a killer robot. Fuck it. Why not? You know? Yeah, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. So over at the uh, the police garage, uh, Shadow meets Sam Speed, speaks to Sonic, uh, is getting pretty angry that people keep saying that he's dead, uh, and asks the very intelligent, very smart question, why the fuck do the police use race cars? Sam's response, how else would we catch speeders? <laughs> hey, that's a fair point. Yeah, very, very, very intelligent. So we then see a camera pop out of Sam's car, and we move to inside the shadowy organization that fucked with Vector a while ago. Uh, They're called Sonic X. Patreon.com slash SonicSpeed if you want context. Very, very, very important context. So all excited to infiltrate and spy on Sonic's allies. And when the camera turns to see Shadow, they all freak the fuck out. They say that he's worse than just Sonic alone. So whatever they're planning, the idea is scrapped. We then turn back to Eggman, who's giving Metal Sonic a tour of his base. I don't know what you're master of like, but it takes a real act of genius to be sent to me specifically. And then when they get to the Eggmobile, he gives a farewell to Deco, Boko, and Bokun, and both Eggman and Metal fly off to Station Square. Then later on, Sonic and Shadow are just chilling at the pier in Station Square, Big, there's big in the background fishing nearby. What's up, man? How you doing? This conversation that comes up right here is uh, is is actually very interesting. Um, Shadow obviously pe- points out the fact that this world is very peaceful. Obviously, very intentional because um, you know the whole idea of Sonic X, for the most part, is that it's more of a slow paced you know show, right? Yeah. And uh, Sonic you know responds saying, you know, hey, you're welcome to stick around and enjoy it. Uh, but Shadow's response is uh, pretty resolute. He's created to protect his own world. He can't rest or enjoy any peace until I know my duty has been fulfilled. Good little character nugget, obviously. And that's gonna—that's what's gonna be the theme of the next comics moving forward. Let's let's put it at that. Yes. Yes. Okay, so Sonic respects that decision, but says, "Well, how do you plan on getting back? You know, we're kind of stuck on this world ourselves, man." And Shadow says that Metal Sonic has a dimensional transponder in its engine, and if I can pull off Chaos Control with it again, maybe I can get back. As Eggman comes in with Metal Sonic, 
but Eggman is shocked to see Shadow as well. Metal targeting Shadow once again. Sonic's commenting, hey, that's not a bad looking robot. Hey. And then Shadow lunges up. He grabs onto Metal's torso, induces chaos control, and once again, gone in a flash of green light. So Sonic just says, eh, where were we, Doc? Leaving Eggman to retreat. And all Sonic can say about this is, sayonara, Shadow the Hedgehog. And we head back to Eggman's base. He crash lands the Eggmobile, running past his henchmen, screaming, how could it be the case? I rescued him myself. As he runs into the basement and peers into a green capsule, seeing a silhouette of Shadow. If you're still here, what did I see out there? Whoa. So clearly these comics take place between like the first two seasons of Sonic X. That's a a little nugget of the third season, let's put it. Sonic is running back home, being caught up with Tails, Amy, Knuckles, and Rouge, hearing about an Eggman attack, and Rouge specifically asking if the rumors of Shadow being back are true. And all Sonic can say is that everything's been taken care of. They come back to Chris's mansion, all their friends welcoming back. Rouge a little upset that Shadow didn't stick around for her, and while Chris is upset about Shadow being gone, Sonic just says, well, Shadow's off to another adventure, and tomorrow, so will we. And the last page of this comic is just a nice full-page splash that says, The End, on to the next adventure. So this was the end, the last issue of the Sonic X comics, but the secondary book of Archie does continue on with another, another new book called Sonic Universe. Now, before I get into that, I also want to point out, the tra- it's so much of a transition that Archie had and still does do mail order subscriptions online since obviously when you order like a 12 issue subscription they are obligated to give you those 12 issues so when the sonic x comic was canceled after this they just transitioned the subscription to sonic universe yeah um so i think before we really start talking about sonic universe we already summed up our thoughts on uh sonic x as a whole as a comic uh in the patreon exclusive uh show uh, this feels like a nice fitting ending for that comic, but I want to I wanna talk about the decision to take the secondary comic and turn it into a side story comic. This is a stroke of genius, and I mean that in the nicest way I can. One of the biggest things about the Sonic comics that has always been a problem is, obviously from the time that Penders was writing it, there were too many fucking subplots. Way too many fucking subplots. But why would we bother to have B stories? Why should we shorten our stories to accommodate for these B plots? Why not take the ideas that we want to see and just make another comic book dedicated to them? Right, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's super smart. Starting Sonic Universe number one. Flynn and Yardley, the creative team. We begin our first of four issues. Now, one thing we should mention is that Sonic Universe's format is a four-issue miniseries per arc that they do. They're mini-arcs. They're condensed arcs. And our first subject is, of course, the ultimate life form himself. In some of the best characterization he has ever gotten. Yeah, fellas, Ever. listen, IDW Sonic readers, you're going to like this next four issues. You're going to really like them. 
I, I, I am going to say this right now. When I think of Shadow the Hedgehog, this version of Shadow is the version that is truly encapsulative of everything I love about this character. So let's get on with it. Mm -hmm. After, obviously, fighting in Sonic X issue 40, the Metal Sonic and Shadow warp in from Chaos Control. Uh, they start fighting, you know, across the water, Shadow using his hover boots, which is fucking dope, by the way. They don't use the hover boots enough to show that he can hover, right? Really, really makes you think, doesn't it? It really does. So what's interesting is that we don't get straight into a fight. Shadow actually starts off with a request, a plea, if you would, saying we've dueled across two worlds now. And we are finally somewhere safe to talk. You are a thinking machine, Metal Sonic. A living weapon like me. Do not let the doctor use you as he has used me. Alright, so we're already out of the gate. Right? <laughs> we're already coming out of the fucking gate kicking and screaming. This is a very interesting direction to take Shadow's character in a post-Shadow the Hedgehog world. Mm. Because even though Shadow the Hedgehog technically never happened in that world, in, in, in Archie Sonic, right? Uh, in a matter of speaking, yes. However, I should also point out with, uh, Ian Flynn has said in the past that all of the games in the Archie world do happen in some way, shape, or form, and we're gonna see a nugget of that upcoming, but in a matter of speaking, Shadow of the Hedgehog technically did happen, we just didn't see it. Or at least right. a version of those events happen. Let's leave it yes. at that. Yes, let's leave it at that. So Shadow is in his post, um, his post Shadow the Hedgehog characterization, where there are no more doubts about who he is. Uh, he is consolidated, consoled with the fact that he can only be himself, and his new mission as a gun agent is to try and help other people who have been taken advantage of by Eggman, Robotnik, and anyone he he feels is is malicious. And I think that this is such a great sticking point for this character. He is a protector. Ultimately, Shadow is the ultimate life form, but he doesn't want conflict anymore. He wants peace. And so he seeks that option first before anything at this point. It's great. I love it. Unfortunately, Metal is not very responsive to Shadow and just hits Shadow over the head as he sinks underwater, leaving Metal to search for the local Eggman variant. And Shadow is able to keep his head afloat seeing Metal leave, but he hears a voice nearby. That of Marine the Raccoon on her ship, the Ocean Tornado, with Blaze at her side. Remember what I said before about, like, all of the games do happen in some way, shape, or form? Here's another example. Because we do see the events of Sonic Rush Adventure happen in, like, a non-canonical adaption. But they are gonna explain that a version of those events have happened before in the proper canon, just off-screen. Yes. Okay, so... Let's start. Uh, I would also like to um, mention we we did briefly talk about Sonic Rush Adventure, but uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to tiptoe a little here and say that uh, God, Marine is annoying. God, she's <laughs> fucking annoying. And I think uh, Ian Flynn's writing her kind of understands that. <laughs> <laughs> so Marine is just being a fuck. Uh, Blaze obviously based, 
asks, you know, are you related to Sonic? Uh, Shadow's saying, no, but our paths have crossed. I'm Shadow the Hedgehog, right? Marine says some annoying shit. Uh, <laughs> full of mystery and danger. Marie- <laughs> Shadow throws the towel in Marine's face. <laughs> There's a great panel while um, him and Blaze shake hands. Uh, he explains the situation and trying to ask, you know, where here is and coming to the conclusion that, you know, based on Blaze's assumption that it's not Mobius. Blaze and Shadow uh, introduce themselves and Marine goes to pilot the ship to the nearest port per Shadow's request. So Shadow asks Blaze how she knows Sonic and long story short, I'm to guard my dimension's soul emeralds and one time they were lost. I had some weird dreams and, you know, I ended up finding Sonic, encountered him, and later on Sonic and Tails found their way to this world and found both the Chaos and Soul Emeralds with them, fighting pirates and dealing with the real villain. They come into port on Marine's home island, Southern Island. Shadow hopes that perhaps his original mission can be salvaged to find a way into the special zone to get a Chaos Emerald. But, uh, upon coming in, Marine calls out to Blaze, uh, Hey, I smell smoke. And they see the lighthouse on fire. Blaze thinking it's Captain Whiskers' crew, but the koala guard says it's something else. There's a robot demanding to see a doctor. And we come to see it's Metal Sonic attacking the village. And Shadow sees that maybe now is the chance I can maybe reason with it, but Blaze says it's attacking my people. Its chance is long gone coating herself in fire and charging into Metal Sonic. Incredibly based, as per usual, of this fucking character. Uh, They duke it out. They fight. They have a little brawl. Uh, Metal gaining the upper hand. Shadow coming in for the assist. uh, Apologizing for bringing this upon her world, but claiming it will be removed just as easily. Trying to use Chaos Control and the uh, SUSX 401 engine. See, I I remember. You nailed it. Uh... Yes, to uh, interdimensional hop again, but Metal uh, just kind of throws him aside. He got he's got that command grab. Yeah, he, he do he do be getting that uh he do be getting that command grab though. He hit him with the pot buster, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so Marine decides uh, in her fucking infinite wisdom to uh, latch on to uh, Metal Sonic's head, and uh, <laughs> Metal Sonic starts using her essentially as bait. Uh, beating the shit out of Blaze when she tries to attack, and same with Shadow, begging her to move, uh, calling her Mary, which is which is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Metal Sonic does his thing, beats the shit out of Shadow, uh, throws away Marine. Shadow, while Blaze goes to tense Marine, begins to speak again. It doesn't have to be this way, Metal Sonic. I know you are capable of more than this. Wanting destruction is beneath you. Don't be led astray as I was. You are only a weapon in the Doctor's eyes. A tool. Something only for misery and destruction. Let us put our battle behind us. Reject the Doctor. Help me save our world. So what's interesting here is that Metal Sonic doesn't initially deny him. There's actually a moment where he processes this. And then responds. It is your function to protect Mobius, right Shadow? Yeah. My function is to serve Eggman. We are both living weapons both working to achieve our function. You are not different from me. You just have an opposing function. As a result, I must destroy you. You must destroy me. And Shadow just says, I really wish you didn't see it like that. So he sends the call to Blaze. She casts flames onto Metal, catching him off guard. Shadow spin dashes under him, launching Metal into the air. And Marine on the ocean tornado fires the cannon, 
destroying Metal Sonic. Then, after that's done, a little while later, Shadow helps to put out the fires in town. Maureen real hyped over what she did. Like, fuck yeah, dude, we just destroyed Metal Sonic. That was sick, bro. But Shadow is a little, little angry. Since that <laughs> a little en- angry? Just because that engine, what was was the thing that he used to warp here, is destroyed too. So I'm stuck. Unless you can build a boat for me like you built for Sonic and Tails to get home. Right? Well, it was more like Tails built it, and I oversaw development. And of course, of course, this leads into one of the most infamous beloved panels from this comic. We must shout out the legend, the god, the goat, the king, the sonic lore master himself, Cybershell, for using this avatar on Twitter to this day. I can tell you, when that panel was dropped, it was the hot meme on the Sonic community. Shadow here, apoplectic state. He's just saying nothing, staring blankly into space as Marine just slowly and quietly backs away from him. It's a it's an absolutely um hysterical panel uh and Shadow's face is just it's so perfect. <laughs> it's so it's funny, so, but like it's, so, <laughs> it's appropriate, but it's hysterical. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, I mean what do you want us to say? This is this is some legendary meme shit. Funny. Anyhow. Anyway, so uh, Blaze comes in and she just says, uh, be patient with her. She means well. And we come to see her with a Chaos Emerald in hand. Take it, she says. Sonic helped me find some of the Soul Emeralds already, so let me just consider this a way of paying it back to him by helping a friend out. And Shadow takes it and thanks Blaze for her kindness. And in hand induces chaos control. We then move back to Mobius, gun headquarters. We see Hope Kintobor, along with Commander Abraham Tower, gun chief of command, near a machine. Hope saying that she doesn't know if this machine actually worked as intended. We don't really have a way of tracking Shadow, unfortunately. But he warps back, chaos emerald in hand. Hope is ecstatic that it worked. So Shadow, tell me, how is the special zone? I wouldn't know. Your teleporter needs work. So Commander Brass asks for a quick report. No trouble, uh, besides zone hopping three times and encountering and defeating the latest Metal Sonic model. Good job, Agent Shadow. Rest up. Your next mission embarks tonight. That's the end of Sonic Universe number one. Oh boy. So, alright. Before, before we move on, I want to do a quick little thing here. So, uh, we don't really talk about the off panels all that much, and I'm not gonna, like, make a note of them from now. I'm only gonna shout them out whenever I think it's clever to note. So, the off panels, the way that they're structured, it's kind of as if the Sonic characters are actors playing themselves, for the most part. So, in this one right here, where Flynn wrote and Stephen Butler did the art, we open on, like, Sonic and Knuckles... Specifically, Knuckles saying that he's excited to have a second book for the comic again reminds him of the good old days of 1999, and he can get back to his own adventures with his own cast and everything. As Rouge and Shadow walk in, just asking to take their bags, Knuckles, uh, Sonic just tells Knuckles, "Don't worry, your your story's not going to happen until issue nine. Knuckles, just relax." And Knuckles <laughs> is pissed, saying, "I had dibs nine years ago. I was his evil rival first. <laughs> wow that's uh 
That's uh, that's very funny and very beautiful in a lot of ways. And of course, the deep cut to the Penders era, Ian Flynn. Oh, of 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 course, of course. Uh, you know how how could he not? Okay, so I need to warn all of you right now. This this issue, oh oh oh, it's peak. It's peak fiction. It's peak fiction. Raw goat Kino swag. It is the Sonic Adventure Two love letter that I have been asking for sonic universe number two flynn and yarley again the creative team so we open on a flashback one year ago prior (laughs) the classic (laughs) the classic sonic versus shadow encounter from sonic adventure 2 i found you faker faker i think you're the fake hedgehog around here you comparing yourself to me Ha! You're not even good enough to be my fake. I'll make you eat those words. So they fight in the jungle. Rue's chiming in. She's in the vaults. These six Chaos Emeralds are as good as ours. And then we jump forward to the present day, middle of the night. Sonic is seen waking up in a sleeping bag, protected in a barrier with the rest of the Freedom Fighters and the Chaotix near New Megapolis. We'll get to this. We will get to this. So we know that we're kind of technically sort of covering these a little out of order, but we think that it's the right decision, at least in our minds, because these are sagas. They are mini arcs. It would not feel right to sort of cover them in this way without covering them sequentially as they are character pieces, essentially. When we try and incorporate them into the main comics moving forward, we will try to do them issue by issue if there is a link. But we also want to acknowledge the fact that the subsequent character arcs are fully displayed so that there is no confusion. Right. Yes. So like I said, we will get to this. Yes, we will. Shadow was knocking on the barrier to get Sonic's attention specifically. I w- we want your assistance with the support mission for the invasion. Sonic is down. Let me go wake the others up, bring them along. Shadow says, no. A small surgical strike. This is a courtesy call, buddy. So Sonic says, ah, exclusive invitation order. I understand. And burrows down and out of the barrio to Shadow's side. You know, it's it's inter- it's interesting. Uh, Sonic doesn't really display hedgehog properties that often, but in this instance, he kind of does. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Shadow points Sonic to the rendezvous point. Three clicks northwest, converted observatory. Sonic just says, ah, race you there. Boosting off, Shadow smirking and following behind. This is such a tiny moment. But the fact that it isn't met with the disdain and the the angst of normal Shadow from, from, from what Sega has mandated, and instead it's the smirk, that coy acknowledgement that, like, yeah, he's a fucker, but I care about him. And he boosts off immediately to follow just it's so good it's so good this 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 is the shit i live for it is it's the shit i live for so flashback back again one year prior sonic and shadow are fighting in the jungle shadow gets a call from eggman the island is gonna explode in five minutes sonic hears this as rouge chimes in the vault has gone into lockdown and i'm stuck despite eggman telling shadow to escape and we'll dig the emeralds out from the ashes Sonic offers a truce to help Shadow save his ally, and he agrees, for now. Sonic and Shadow make their way to the vault, clock going down by the minute, and they burrow into the vault where Rouge is stuck, duffel bag with the Chaos Emerald stashed by her side. Sonic tries to make way for an exit, 
as Shadow induces chaos control, warping him, Sonic, and Rouge to the desert. And Rouge is charmed that Shadow came to rescue her, but insists he was only here for the emeralds, and chaos controls away by himself. They, uh, Sonic and Rouge introduce each other, Sonic suggesting, why don't we go complain to Shadow's manager? <laughs> Sonic with the Karen-type beat right now, for real, for real, for real. <laughs> and Rouge does agree, and I know just the way to get to him. Now we move back to the present. Rouge is explaining to Sonic that the telescope in the observatory has been converted into a high-grade laser cannon. It'll wipe out your base, barrier and all, and also half the Egg Dome with it. Well, seems a little over the top even for Eggman. But that's where Shadow comes in saying, not anymore. We have good reason to believe that Eggman is losing his grip on reality, and this might be another piece of evidence in that favor. Sonic says, yeah, sure, but, you know, Eggman's always been a few chips short off the motherboard, but is he really, like, gone, gone? Believe whatever you want, Shadow says, but just don't underestimate him when it's your time to shine. And Rouge says, it's not the time for psychoanalysis, let's get this mission going. Sonic and Shadow break the doors down, Rouge flying in to hack the systems. Now, as we see the laser cannon inside, smaller defensive laser cannons start firing at Sonic and Shadow. Rouge saying, keep the defense system off her as she does her thing. Laser now moving into position. As Sonic gets at it with one of the smaller lasers, he then kind of has a little flashback where he was in the pyramid with Rouge, helping her look for a key the year prior. But... In the present, Rouge says she active, she accidentally triggered a self-destruct mechanism. I can't stop the cannon now. And then, one year ago once more, she and Sonic take the spaceship up to Space Colony Arc. Now, I kind of just want to like make a point of something timeline-wise. So, of course, as we know, this scene happened with Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, all the hero story characters. However, I think the reason why Ian Flynn didn't include them in this was because at this point in time in the comics we were in the middle of the chaos knuckles stuff oh jesus oh no <laughs> oh god wait you've just huh oh, oh, i've just wait, act- i've wait. activated oh my god i'm just realizing it holy fuck so uh for the sake of the timeline ian flynn just decided to make it snappy but uh when you have that thought that makes this whole story a lot more cursed doesn't it it, it makes it 20 times more cursed. But we will... You know what? No. No. I will not let this godlike character moment be fucking ruined by Ken Pender's fucking writing. No. Fuck that. No. Let's keep going. Okay? Okay. So, as they see in the present now, the laser moves into position. No way to stop it by control. So Shadow just gets ready to do some damage. Sonic homing attacks the cannon. Shadow throws a chaos spear. No effect in either case. Baruch calls out, if you can damage the coupling links at the joint, at least we can throw it off target. Flashback once again, year ago prior, Sonic and Shadow are fighting on the arc, Shadow insisting of his, re- of his revenge. Sonic gets ahead, saying, listen buddy, there's a few billion people down on Mobius who will thank him for this. Shadow throws a chaos spear to his back, and he's down, as Rouge calls for Shadow over the intercom. There's something you should see here, buddy. In the present, Rouge flies with Shadow and Sonic uh, to her arms, both homing attacking the joints. But when they break them down, the cannon is set at the exact angle to fire. <laughs> of course. So now we flash we flash back to a year ago. The bio lizard um, performs chaos control. Now actually giving context to the line, was that chaos control which is obviously one of the most weird lines in the original because it's never it, the the bio lizard doesn't perform chaos control and the way it's framed it sounds like the way that he did chaos control was it's like 
it, it, its own form of chaos. And anyways, anyways, Shadow, they get the alert that the beast is fused with the Ark. It's pulling them towards Mobius. Shadow realizing that he failed Maria. And they've got the trump. But Vasonic telling him, no, 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 we got the trump card. The seven chaos emeralds right here. And by the way, they're all green referencing the fact of the uh, harmonic convergence not yet happening. Excellent. So then we cut to, of course, the final battle of Sonic Adventure 2. Super Sonic and Super Shadow fighting against the final hazard. And then in the present, we then see Shadow taking off the inhibitor rings, giving them to Sonic, to which he says is, good luck, buddy. So Shadow runs out onto the cannon. He's overflowing in chaos energy and points to the cannon's head, shouting chaos control as a beam of energy shoots out of his hands to the cannon. And then in the flashback, Super Sonic and Super Shadow induce chaos control on the arc to put it back into orbit. As Shadow depowers and loses steam, Sonic reaching out for him as Shadow whispers, This is what you wanted, isn't it, Maria? And then in the present, we see that exact same shot of Sonic grabbing Shadow. He's dazed from destroying the cannon. And all Sonic can say is, yeah, we're not going through that again. <laughs> Cute. The, the mission is done. Sun rising. Shadow tells Sonic, you should better, you better take your leave now. Got a big day ahead of you, buddy. Get some rest while you can. Shadow says, yeah, the least I can do now is to let you finish your fight with the doctor. This is your fight after all. And they shake on it. Shadow, I appreciate that. And good luck to you, Sonic. Sonic runs off, Rouge commenting how far their relationship has come. Shadow says, don't don't think of it like that. He's earned my respect at all. Oh yeah, it'd be far too scandalous for you two to be friends, huh? That's the end of number two. I have to say, even if it's a condensed version, showing Shadow and Sonic's journey from being adversaries to teaming up to working together... To Shadow ultimately realizing that what he believed was wrong and his revenge was unfounded about who he really was. Chef's kiss. I love this comic because, again, it's another character nugget. How far has Shadow come? How far has the character that went through so much come since his return and his, in his inductment into Gun? He, he cares so much about the people around him now. That even somebody who can, he considered a rival and a faker at one point is just that, a friend. Mm -hmm. they, ha they have respect for each other. Earnest respect. This is the character I love. And also the fact that Ian Flynn did a bunch of Sonic Adventure 2 scenes and then adapted them eh, with mixed results, but pretty faithfully. You're only saying with mixed results because Chaos Knuckles, aren't you? Wait... We do not speak of it. We do not speak of it. Sonic Universe number three. Flynn and Yardley, once again, the creative team. Now, another fucking banger. Another banger <laughs> right out the gate. Because Jesus fucking Christ, do we have some good content here. We open a gun briefing on video footage of one E-102 Gamma. Commander Tower saying it was designed to be an elite fighting machine. And we also see Eggman giving a similar briefing about Gamma, saying it went rogue way back in the day. Eggman says it went about destroying its brothers. If a post was guarding by an E-100 series robot, Gamma would take it down. Not even Beta could defeat Gamma, despite its uh, promise. Tower relays this information to Rouge and Shadow, saying that Gamma never actively collaborated with a Freedom Fighter Resistance Network, 
but did exist from the shadows. Its world travels have made Gamma weary. So, Shadow, your mission to find Gamma and recruit him to Gun before Eggman can find him. To which Shadow says, should be easy enough. And on Eggman's side, your mission, find the traitor and reduce it to slag. Simple enough for you, right? E-123 Omega. Annihilate, annihilate, charge. Uh, sorry, uh, listen, okay. So um, this is Omega's official introduction uh, into the comic. Years later, for the record, because this comic came out, I think, in 2011. It's been a long time since Omega was properly introduced uh, to the franchise. And I have a little nugget here. Uh, a note that Omega was actually intended to be introduced to the comic way earlier, specifically in issue 175 during the Rays of Knothole. But Sega rejected that idea because they did not want to see a focal character commit acts of homicide. Fair. Fair. Reasonable. Understandable. Eggman and Omega get into a little spat. Uh, basically, Eggman's command of Omega uh, is met with the classic Omega response of, I refuse. Uh, Eggman basically telling him that you can't turn fucking traitor. You literally haven't been even on for an hour yet. Uh, Omega responds with the fact that he was in storage for over a year. He was designed to destroy Sonic. Why is my first mission not to destroy Sonic? Eggman responds in kind. Because the road in his mind. Now do as you're told or I'll put you back into storage for another decade. And Gun Command. Tower has Shadow deploy when you're prepared. So he's off to the hangar. No backup support. Shadow. Please, I'm the ultimate life form. I can handle this by myself. But we see Shadow a little hesitant with the loss of Metal Sonic. He doesn't want to lose another living weapon. So Shadow heads to a helicopter and takes off as Eggman deploys Omega. Snively commenting that this may not be the best idea. Omega has more firepower than the entire Badnik Horde combined. But Eggman says he doesn't want anything distracting him from his new weapon or the fight with the rodent. Leaving Snively to report that Lane Da and the rest of the Legion are preparing to deal with the advancing Freedom Fighters, which will leave Eggman with just enough time to press his scarf. We then move later. Shadow is over the drop zone and jumps out of the chopper. No parachute needed. He breaks his fall with the hover boots, sticks the landing. Perfect 10. Truly best. In the snowfield, Shadow sees tracks that look like they were left by Gamma, commenting it's done a bad job for covering its trap for such an elite killing machine. As we see Shadow in a green filter, a voice saying that Shadow is on file as serving the Eggman Empire, but now rebelling. Also noting he's pretty gullible for falling for his tracks in the snow trap, as Shadow turns around to see who this is. Hello, Gamma. I have to, I have to make this note. So Gamma did not die in this adaptation, of course, but bringing Gamma back... And the tagline for Gamma is robot with a soul. It hits. It really and, does. And you are right, because in the Sonic Adventure adaption, uh, Gamma was kind of uh, left behind, so to speak. Like, we never covered his story. So I guess this is Ian Flynn's way of, like, bookending it. Yes. Shadow and Gamma uh, start talking. Gamma basically saying, you know, hey, you're an enemy of the doctors. You're considered friendly, but I travel alone. Assistance would only slow me down. Shadow tries to retort, basically saying that, yeah, I once thought the same, but if you join Gun, you can see what a difference a support team can make. Gamma considers, thinks, and then asks the question, you are the ultimate life form. What could I or anyone else offer you? And Shadow, in response, says, a safe place to rest when I need it. Information so my time isn't wasted searching. 
access to the world with greater efficiency, you can make an even greater difference. And the two shake on it. Gamma realizing perhaps it is time for now. So Shadow then leads Gamma to the extraction point to have him repaired and restocked, but Gamma detects a hostile in the vicinity. They have each other's backs. Nothing's being said until Omega breaks through the trees behind them and aims for Shadow. Happy to see him, a real test of his power. But Gamma blasts him, saying, uh, I have located the mission objective. Wonderful. So uh, uh, another interesting theme of Omega's character is that he is uh, weirdly very snarky, and it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that people adored about Gamma in Heroes was the fact that he was incredibly fucking blunt and said a lot of shit in the most violent way possible, and it was really good. So kind of taking that to a more snarky degree is in character with what you would expect from the, from, from, uh, from the robot. So I'm, I'm okay with this change. I'm okay with it. And we have Shadow breaking free of Omega's hold, Chaos Spear in hand. Gamma, get to the extraction point. I'll hold him off. And he runs. But Omega punches Shadow away, saying, I've got a mission, but I'll come for you next. But Shadow, though, I'm not intending to lose another living weapon. As Omega transformed his hand into a cannon, Shadow spin dashes right into it, leaving Omega to fire him on the to the other side of the mountain. Business before pleasure. <laughs> great line, great line. Now what we come to is a lovely, and by lovely, I truly do mean lovely, back and forth that the robots are having uh, electronically. Omega basically saying, I'm stronger than you. I'm faster than you. Your body is decaying. You're outdated, slower, weaker. You can't outrun me. And that pitiful gun of yours, you can't harm me either. To which Gamma responds, Your armor is heavy, but so are you. Your speed is great, but you're unwieldy. Your jets are stronger, but you're louder. I do not have such limitations. I am nimble. I cover ground more easily. As for weaponry... Fires one shot in Omega's shoulder to get his attention, another shot at his face throwing him off balance, and another at his feet knocking him down. And then we see Gamma face to face. You are a walking arsenal. I am an assassin. Now this is really cool. I think one of the interesting things about this depiction of um, Gamma is that while it was never specifically stated that Gamma was an assassin unit, I think the idea of Gamma naturally realizing that Eggman's weaponry became more like advanced over time and learning to be a lot more subtle is a really good direction to take him in. He is a slowly decaying robot. He knows that he has limited time and he will get destroyed in combat. So what's the solution? Easy. Fucking turn yourself into a walking, walking a force of destruction from the shadows. It's, it's smart. It works. I love it. It's, so, it's such a smart interpretation. But Omega gets up saying, you've made your point. As have I, Gamma says. And you're right, Omega. I am outdated. The resistant forces need something more. Oh, so you surrender. Finally. And now we see Shadow running, calling for Gamma. Omega prepares his arsenal. In respect for your previous wins, I will give you a glorious destruction. But Gamma says, you cannot destroy all of me, brother. You cannot destroy my soul. We're robots. We do not have those. We can have them, he says, and I'll show you. 
Omega, target acquired, full barrage. Gamma, data stream acquired, upload complete. As Shadow comes in, he hears the fire of the weaponry and the plume of smoke left behind as the little bird powering Gamma flies off from the crater left behind. Even though it was not self-destruction, uh, it was uh, admittedly um, a, 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 a self-surrender in the same way that uh, Gamma actually technically died. And I do like the little touch that, yes, Ian also included the bird flying away. You just have to have it. It's Again, it's a bookend. It's a bookend. So what comes after is the thing that really interests me. Omega starts freaking out, basically saying, unfamiliar internal readings analyzed. Remorse? (laughs) With a question mark. Shadow Shadow confused, asking Gamma? And then Gamma's voice starts speaking directly from Omega. Yes and no. I isolated the coding I developed when I gained my own will and sent it to Omega. Omega's freaking out, you know, trying to purge the virus in his system. And then uh, starts speaking. Not not a virus, a new life. You are more than a weapon now, brother. You have a soul, my gift to you. As my code integrates, Gamma may disappear, but my mission lives on. And by the way, I want to shout this out. So Omega and Gamma were speaking with different colored text bubbles. Like Gamma had green, Omega had red. And once we get to this scene, we see Omega's text bubble slowly fading away from red to like the standard white bubble, which is... A fantastic visual touch. Yep. Omega has gone from a robot, a sentient, uh, to a fully sentient being now that he is a character, essentially. Omega initially questions, what now? His purpose was to crush all life. Now the thought makes me uneasy. Now he has thoughts and can be uneasy. So Shadow proposes the same question. Do what Gamma would. Join Gun, help protect all life instead of... Crush, maim, and destroy? Yes. <laughs> a follow-up question is asked, uh, but to what end? If I have a life now, what is its purpose? Where do I find a place in a world I was meant to cover in glorious fire and doom? To which the person who has arguably been through a very similar experience responds with, Living is not easy. Until then, you can find a temporary purpose in introducing the doctor to that fire and doom. And um, in, in typical Omega response, of course, revenge for wasting my potential. <laughs> so the last thing that this comic really, uh, one of the last things this comic gives us is a very visceral and almost raw moment where it's a it's a circle shot of Shadow and Omega over a pile of rocks where Omega where Gamma was destroyed. They simply stand there. They've made a grave for Gamma, and like to me. <laughs> it's just like it's a it's the little things that's what i have to say it's the little things it's really beautiful it really is so uh there's a moment where omega tells shadow if you tell anyone in gun about this i that you that about this or that i prosed about my place in the world i'll turn you into linked sausage <laughs> you accept my offer uh sure the mission my mission must continue and shadow calls in a chopper for pickup so we then later move into the gun rec room. Shadow is sitting with Rouge and Hope. Uh, Hope says that it's really cool. Like, we found out that half of Omega's weight is in ammo alone. Cool. And Rouge comments that Shadow's got quite the catch this time around. And he agrees, but he doesn't change the fact that uh, that Gamma's gone. 
two living weapons gun under my watch. And Rue just says, stop the moping. We got new orders, buddy. Hope? And she gives her the debriefing package. She got the zone transporter working. We're going to the special zone, and we're getting a Chaos Emerald. That's the end of issue three. Really want to point out how excellent this issue was. Um, it really pondered a lot of very, very deep and philosophical questions in a really tact and, and beautiful way. Um, and I think that obviously using Shadow as the lens for that is really important considering that Gamma's story is one about um, overcoming the idea of, of innate programming and becoming somebody who wants nothing more than to free and help others. And that's what he ended up becoming in this universe. And him giving that gift to Omega to do the same and Omega accepting that position is a great way to transition him into, you know, Team Dark, uh, but also a, a beautiful way to uh, really, a, a beautiful way to really make you care about Omega as a character. Because now it's not just the, haha, funny robots say crazy things, it's, man, this guy was given a soul. Yeah, he'll say crazy shit, but he means well. And like, ugh. God, it's it's like the character nuggets here are so good. Yeah, this is this was such a smart move to have this side series and just have other characters because like we definitely could see this in the main comics, but we kind of already did with Sonic and Scourge just now. So now we have a chance for other characters to shine. I nothing but good. Nothing but good. But 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 we but we do have one final comic to cover, and arguably it has one of the best written scenes we've encountered so far. And I know we keep saying that, and I know I keep saying it, but but oh, you know it keeps happening. What do you what do you want from us? It keeps happening. It's not our fault these comics are so good. It's not Sonic Universe number four. Flynn and Yardley once again the creative team, aptly titled the Ultimate Life Form. So Rouge and Shadow aptly ready for an exploration into the special zone uh they're talking to hope making sure that they're certain they'll reach the special zone abraham tower there with them shadow and rouge preparing themselves uh you know rouge makes a, a bit of a sly comment uh pretty much saying uh, sweet kid really talented but she's no robotnik shadow's response is pretty on point and we for that we should be thankful yeah yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think you'd want a mini one of those running around. No, the transporter activates, and they end up in the middle of the special zone. Rouge saying this is a little more surreal than what I expected, and on the globe that they're on, the camera pans out to Feist, the deity of this zone, holding the globe in the middle of his hands, saying that he was the one who tampered the countless chaos emeralds into the seven. And brought order to this special zone. And by the way, we see a lot of detail in the background. So like I mentioned, the globe that Shadow and Rouge are on are like the globe special stages from Sonic 3 and Knuckles. And up in the sky, we can see like the half pipe stages twirling around. Like, it's like I said, it's the little things. It's the little things. So I can't tell if it was intentional or not here. But I'm just going to say it outright. So Rouge has got a fucking scouter on and, and basically says, the data scanner on my scope is going crazy. Now, the true irony is, is that, you know, Shadow, the Vegeta insert, if you really want to get technical about it. We've already said that multiple times. What's the harm? 
Yeah, it's it really there really is no harm. Uh, but it's just it's it's funny that 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 you know essentially Ian Flynn is making the scouter joke without actually making the scouter joke. Which honestly, uh, other writers would just make the scouter joke, but but you know, you, you know, know, this you is know. this is Ian. Feist ask, why have you breached my domain, mortals? And Shadow takes offense to that. I am the ultimate life form, and we need the Chaos Emeralds. And Feist says he will gladly award an emerald to those who complete my trials. Make your way through this fire, steel, and cloud course, and win the Chaos Emerald at the end. Which also, point to note, this court is designed like the special stage from the Genesis version of Sonic 3D Blast. Wooden bridge, bombs, and the emerald at the end, that's what it is. It's very cute. I like it a lot. Shadow, though, says, I got no time for this. Snapping his fingers to do chaos control, but it doesn't work. To his and Rouge's shock, just keep snapping his fingers. He says that there's an abundance of chaos energy in this zone, but I can't tap into it. Precisely, Feist cuts in. Because I will it to be so. You are the ultimate life form, Shadow, but in here, you are no more than a mere mortal. Your challenge began 30 seconds ago, by the way. You have 30 left. So, Rouge, not wasting any time, grab Shadow, flying with her. We can use the hot air here to give me some lift on her wings. Use your jet shoes to give me some more lift. And once they fly up into the sky portion, Rouge cannot sustain flight with the cooler air. So, Shadow takes it from here, carrying her in his arms. You're dropping bombs, dodging left and right. Ten seconds left on the clock. And just as the green Chaos Emerald is in Rujin's hands, the clock times out. And they're forced out of the zone the same way they came in. The guys are confused. Commander Tower wants to know what's going on. But Hope says that something forced them out. And Rouge reports that the special zone is ruled by a godlike being that does trials of worthiness for a Chaos Emerald, which we just failed. I get... So, something I really like and and kind of understand is that Ian is trying to gamify the special stages into a special zone. If the special stages are supposed to be these, um, you know, sort of like out-of-reality, abstract, surrealist creations that are just, you know random and weird and all that shit so wouldn't so why wouldn't it make sense that you have some uh overbearing uh demigod godlike figure who rules over the zone and basically says yeah i want you to uh i want you to play games for my amusement to prove that you can uh, obtain the gems so it, it quantifies that in a pretty cool way it's it's a good solution to to the idea of special stages in in the comics, you know. Yeah, and and as always, I'm not going to say no to some fun fan service. Exactly. It's it's cute. It's cute. It's cute and it works. Yes, and I think that's very important. At this scene, Shadow is dejected and he walks out the room. Tower doesn't understand how the ultimate life form couldn't have gotten one little gemstone. Boruja says, well, did you just miss a part about what I said about godlike being? But when Shadow walks away, he says he takes the blame fully. This is my third mission in a row in many days. I just haven't been good enough. Later, in the gym, Shadow is doing some CQC sparring with Omega, saying that normally he's the one to suggest a spar. And Shadow, you seem a little bit more agitated with than usual, and he's not responding other than just making grunts. But Omega says he heard about the mission. Don't let it concern you. Hey, I recently got cleared for active duty. Next mission, you'll have an edge. I'll just blast the hell out of him. Huh? 
But Shadow grabs and throws Omega down, saying nothing as he walks away. Was this something I said? We then move outside. Shadow is sitting on a plateau on Guardian Mountain, where Gun hides their headquarters within. And he's found by Hope and sits there with him. You know, Shadow, you can get a real nice view of Central City from out here, and you can even see all the way to Soliana. Oh. Moving on. Oh. Moving, moving on. on. So Hope responds, uh, trying to cheer him up, right? You know, it's okay that you didn't get the Chaos Emerald. And Shadow's response is, of course, no, it's not. I'm the ultimate life form. I was built to be perfect. I'm not supposed to fail. Hope begins to speak. At least you have a good excuse. I didn't have any panda god things to blame. Shadow is confused by this. What? When did you ever fail as badly as I have? And of course, we now confront the elephant in the room. Hope starts talking, of course, about listening to Snively and leaving Nothole to explore the United Federation on her own. When she went back, Nothole was gone. She couldn't face Sonic and the others. They took me in, made me feel like family, and I left them behind. That's that's failure, right? Shadow, in his kindness and openness, basically gives the real talk to Hope. The fact that no one foresaw the Doctor's attack. He was not your failure. You face the unknown again, bravely and boldly, trusting your family and pushing your boundaries is no mistake. Basically admitting that Snively did save her, and now that she's back among her people... She's helping them fight the doctor's forces here and abroad. You haven't failed. Hope then retorts with, okay, then you haven't failed either. Shadow grunting. Hope lays the real shit on him. Nope. See, now you know how Feist works. You know his tricks, your limitations. And you can plan your attack instead of, fa- uh, instead of flying blindly in. You didn't fail. You just set yourself up for future success. And that's an aha moment for Shadow. This scene encapsulates something here. So the theme of these four arcs was obviously Shadow trying to teach others that you can be bigger than yourself, that you can overcome your programming, so to speak. But now this scene kind of encapsulates that he ha- that idea hasn't really like fermented really within him because in a way he's still stuck to his original programming of keep Mobius safe, be its protector, yada yada. So... A couple failures let him by, and now he's kind of just stuck in his own head. And then here we have Hope, the girl genius, telling Shadow, Hey, you're not failing. There are no failures here, Shadow. You can just keep, if you can just keep getting up again and again, then you haven't failed because at least you keep trying. And you learn, and you grow, and you become better. Which is funny because, like, that's kind of Sonic's attitude if you think about it. Think back to 175. He was down and out, but. He got back up, and he won. I, I agree with everything you said there. I don't. I don't really have much more to say other than that. I think you nailed it perfectly. It's just, but, <sighs> but, but now we have the moment—the one that ripped my heart out. Hope says, um, "You know, when we first met, I thought you were scary. Now I know you're just as lost as I am in this big crazy world. But we'll look out for each other, right? I'll keep inventing stuff, and you keep busting bad guys. We'll be okay in the end, right?" And of course, Shadow looks up. It's almost like the ghost of Maria is watching over him. He thinks about it. He smiles. Content and happy in this moment. Right. 
Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> did these comics get me emotional? Yes, they did. Did they make me feel something? Yes, they did. Other than anger? Yes, they sure yes. did. Yes. Excellently. F- actually, no. Perfectly executed. This is how you show character growth. This is, these are two people who come from very similar backgrounds, who have very similar dejections in their family, but are still brought together through ties and ultimately end up finding each other as people who can rely on one another, especially in a, in a world where they feel like outcasts. I think that's really beautiful. And I think that's, it's one of my absolute favorite things about, about the, about, about this set of comics. God, it's so good. (laughs) So inside... Hope and Tower are prepping the teleporter once again. All right, it's all set to go. Team, are you ready? Shadow with Rouge and Omega by his side. Team Dark, ready to go. Rouge is just a little surprised that that's what we're sticking with. But the teleporter activates. And Hope asks, hey, Commander, why did you go with Team Dark? That will become evident in time, Miss Kintobor. Team Dark enters the special zone. Omega comments that the energies in the zone are giving him sensory overload. Permission to fire? Denied. Stick to plan A, pyromaniac. Feist lords over their globe once more. The pretender returns with plans and a little tin soldier. I am pleased. But Omega suggests that this thing is not structurally sound. Permission to admonish with fire? Get in line, Shadow says. (laughs) Omega back at it again, wanting to kill and burn everything in sight. And he's just like, just hold the fucking phone. Just hold your fucking horse. (laughs) Rouge just hands both of them, just like, boys, you gotta chill. Remember why we're here. Feist, what's your challenge this time? And Feist generates a maze. Your prize is at the center, and you have one minute to get there. And it will be turned at my whim. Do you accept mortal? And this, of course, is the special stage from Sonic 1. The three look at each other and rush into the maze. Let's go, Team Dark. Shadow's saying as he's making turns all around. Feist is taunting them, saying that you've already failed. If you had each split up, perhaps you would have found the center in time. But with Shadow's speed, he rushes down corridors in no time, reporting that each path he goes down is a dead end and leads Rouge and Omega to the correct road. Omega reports that there's a concentration of energy ahead. Might be a trap. Shadow rushes in. There's no floor beneath him. But Rouge grabs hold. There's stalagmites down below that could have impaled him if not for her. And Shadow sees the emerald. As they close in on it though, Feist encases it with smaller gemstones. Your last seconds slip away. So Shadow homing attacks. Rouge kicking him away. And Omega firing at max capacity. Shadow breaks a hole through the casing. And he's reaching in mere inches away from his grasp. But the clock fades out, and it all goes to green. Now we then move. Team Dark in Feist hand, Chaos Emerald held in the other. Says this was an excellent show for him, but for you, no avail. Will you return tomorrow and entertain Feist further? <laughs> and <laughs> Omega, plan B now, please. Yeah, Omega. Plan B. Omega pulls out the fucking gats. He just goes full ape shit. Weapons everywhere from his body and just starts fucking up Feist's face while, you know, Rouge and Shadow grab the emerald. So, Rouge called out to Omega to finish and follow, but I still have five more salvos. Move it, mister! (laughs) 
than the three land on the globe. It's now breaking down. You dare assault a god in his own domain? Deny me all you want, Shadow says. But with this, even a god must bow to the ultimate life form. And chaos controls away. Feist screaming, curse you, as it all crumbles around. Based, 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 based as fuck. And now the three are back at the gun transporter. Team Dark celebrates a mission accomplished. Hope runs in to hug Shadow. I knew you could do it. And Rouge compliments Omega for putting the hurt on Feist like that. Oh, well, you know, it was only a small megaton of ordnance. <laughs> so Shadow salutes the commander. Chaos Emerald in hands. With these two emeralds, now Gun is even more of a force to be reckoned with. And while that's the end of the story, we do have a little a little teaser of things to come. Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, no! Then, please, no! <laughs> we then move. A time skip. 30 years into the future, we see Knuckles with Julie Sue. Her saying that they need to get going now. And comes back inside. It's time, sweetheart. You sure you'll be okay while we're away? And we move to see their daughter, Laura Sue. I'm a guardian. I'm ready for anything. End of Sonic Universe number four. That's the end of all the comics we've got for you today. Holy shit, this was a long episode. <laughs> uh, this might be our longest I think we've done. Oh my god. If it's if it's if it's not apparent, we we like adored the shit out of like basically all of these comics. I think that the fact remains that this was just another giant flex for Ian Flynn to show off the fact that he just knows what he's doing and he will just continue to get away with making the best Sonic content imaginable. And he made one of the most, uh, he's probably made one of the best character analysis of Shadow I've seen in a very long time. So I loved it. I loved every comic. Super big fan. I especially love the last bit of Shadow kind of realizing he has not really internalized Maria's lesson of that while he is meant to be the protector of Mobius, he can still be more than that. He's his own person. He has his own thoughts, his own feelings, his own, you know, concerns, his own wants. And while he tries to teach that to other so-called living weapons, he needs that own reality check from, you know, a friend. And yep. that friend really reminded him of, his closest one. So it was a very welcome and character reading, a very great arc to introduce us to this sub-series of comics. And the Sonic the Hedgehog, the main stuff, fucking slapped. We when when we return, um <laughs> we are going to have quite a lot to deal with. Oh uh, yes. We, we are at we we finished 197, which means next time Hold on, let me check my notes. Let's see exactly what we're doing. Because we've got the main Sonic comics, Sonic the Hedgehog number 198 to number 201. So, all I'll say is, if you thought 175 was a doozy, God fucking damn you're not ready for this you are not ready issue 200 is a huge turning point for this comic and when we say that the status quo gets shaken up oh boy do we mean it join us next time for sonic the hedgehog archie comics the archie sonic digest where we will be finally tackling issue 200 
patreon.com slash sonicspeed as low as $2 a month. I know you guys are going to want that when it's ready. I know it. Bye-bye.